Like Abraham Lincoln once said, if you don't have a podcast, are you even really living life? Four score. I made that last part up where he said four score at the end of that. He didn't he didn't say four score. Come join two lifelong friends as they embark on a new life journey. A journey that will be filled with obnoxious hot takes that will be passed off as facts and perhaps contradictory opinions specifically stated to piss each other off. At this point, you might be asking yourself, who are these two idiots and do we really need another video game podcast? We're going to fill you in on the former and as for the latter, fuck off. Because this is episode one, we did get a little carried away and we ran into a problem that I usually don't run into we went too long. So we're going to start this podcast off with massive confusion. And we're going to give you this week, episode one, part one, which we're going to cover things like our top 10 games of 2020 and just kind of get through the introductory stuff of the podcast. Next week, we're going to hit you with episode one, part two, where we talk about our most anticipated games of 2021. Now you've reached the best moment of your day because you're about to listen to episode one of the Cool Down Time Podcast. Welcome all to the Cool Down Time Podcast. I'm your host, Pablo. Yes, like the drug lord, Kingpin Escobar. Mm -hmm. Yes, like the unsavory artist, Picasso. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying to yourself, well, this guy doesn't sound like a Pablo... I got news for you guys. You're a racist. Uh, before we get into why we're doing this, I'm going to introduce to you one of my co-hosts. Well, my only co-host. He's a longtime friend. I've been annoying him since, what, we were children? Kids. Uh, kids. Uh, and he's still here with me. So, my friend, Marco. How's it going, buddy? What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning into our show. Uh, this is going to be pretty incredible for you. I'm pretty incredible. <laughs> and I'm also incredibly modest and humble uh, yes, all the time. Yes, very much so. Every 24-7, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, look, we're all so many podcasts out there, so much content about video games. Why are we doing this? Because we're attention horse, and that's what we like to do. Um, but, but, but besides that <laughs> simple and obvious fact, well, you know what? I think I think that you know it's always been um, a, a big bucket list thing of ours as friends over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've talked about games forever um, as we've gotten older. Um, it's always been a big thing we've wanted to do, and um, we're both pretty arrogant people as well, and we think we can do better than all the shit that's out there, and uh, I think that's as good a reason as any to try this out and uh, regret it later. So, yeah. I think, you know, usually people <laughs> don't say that out loud, but yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, that's what you're going to get here. I like, guess brutal honesty, even if it's uh, a cost to our own uh, humility. Why yes. not? Forget it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I want to I want to do something because we've talked extensively over time as to why as to how this first episode is going to go. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of good stuff that's gonna that we're gonna actually talk about today. But I want people to kind of get an idea of what we're working here with because uh, mm-hmm. I have some questions for you. You have some questions for me. Mm. You don't know what my questions are. I don't know what your questions are, and hopefully we can answer them truthfully. And hopefully people can get to the bottom of who you are as a person and mm-hmm. why you're not as good uh, as me when it comes to video game stuff. Well, first of all, I fear nothing. Okay. I, I have no idea why I said that, but I just <laughs> wanted to go ahead and put that out there first. Uh, secondly, I'm excited to do this. Um, my my, my, my uh, Fruit of the Looms are tight right now for Super this. Tight. Uh, I'm, I am literally tearing through the fabric of our lives as we speak right now. So this is... <laughs> 
This is going to be great. So, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do these questions. Okay, I'm going to go first. This is just kind of going to go super simple at first just to get an idea of when it comes to games, Mm -hmm. what do you like best? So, let's go. Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo? Pick one. Pick one. In terms of if people are going to – if you could pick only one console or one company from here on out, starting with the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X, or the Switch and on. What system is Marco always going to have? Oh man, first, I think or? I think it's going to have to be PlayStation. I think they've just been around the block long enough. They've got enough stuff I think in their their catalog that caters to me and the taste in games that I have. Um, yeah, I, I would say it'd have to be them. Um, I think with Nintendo, I've, you know, I'll talk about it later on in the show, uh, possibly or in future episodes. But I've never been a huge Nintendo guy. I've always liked them and respected them. But I've never been crazy about Nintendo like a lot of people are, and we'll get into that in maybe one of the other segments of the show we'll kick off today. But um, yeah, I, I've always liked Nintendo, but I don't think I can go with one console only forever, and it'd be a Nintendo one. Um, Do you think that the, the stem bot, uh, in terms of you not loving Nintendo is because I always was thrashing you in Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball? All right, so we're going to start this over. We're going to start this whole show <laughs> from the beginning, because he didn't say this. We didn't say we were going to talk about this. Um, <laughs> No, no. I just, I just never no, yeah. really grew up on Nintendo, man. Um, we'll, we'll get into kind of how we got, how we broke into uh, gaming later on in the show. But um, it, it just, it was something that kind of, I was a late bloomer with yeah. Nintendo, and I think I've just naturally gravitated towards more um, less, less kid friendly, charming, whimsical games over the years. So I think Sony is probably the go-to for me. Xbox would be probably a second place. Um, well, over Nintendo. Uh, yeah, over Nintendo for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think they've been a little bit more inconsistent over the years with the way that they've uh, handled some of their their big franchises, and they've had some really really good years too, though. So I think they would probably be my runner up. So how do you want to do this? You want me to go on to the second question, or do you want to give me one of your? Let questions? me let you know. Let me let me let me hit you with one of these. Okay. Because this one's hopefully this one's going to be a good one. Okay. All right. So question for me is: What franchise do you want to make a comeback? And if you could pick any developer to work on it, who would it be? It's a, it has to be a dead franchise? has to be a dead franchise. Or one that we, maybe we don't know if it's dead, dead, but we haven't seen it in a long ass time. Oh, man. You put me on the spot here. Because, uh, hmm. I would think, and this probably is just kind of me being Pablo and being super yeah, obscure about it. There's going to be a lot of that on the show. Uh, Star Fox. Now, well, well, wait a second. Wait a yeah. minute. Wait. Technically, we we just had the greatest Star Fox game oh, over the yeah. last couple of years with okay. Starlink, Battle for Atlas. Listen, guys, Pablo. Just we'll 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 talk about <laughs> what he's put me through over the years. But Pablo sends very Pablo ass text messages with with the the illest hyperbole you've ever seen. It's, yeah. And, and Starlink at one point was the best Star Wars game that that never existed to this man and. I have the texts. I have the receipts. I will probably tweet them on our official uh, Twitter <laughs> page at some point in life, just to make sure you guys know this isn't uh, a lie. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, Star Fox. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, no, but who would you want to have develop the next great Star Fox? So game? I, I think that growing up, Star Fox sixty four was one of my favorite games, and Star mm-hmm. Fox two never actually came here until recently right. with the release of the. Um, was the SNES classic, mm-hmm. uh, and it was bad. And you know, now was we, it? yeah, it wasn't good. It, it it had too many ideas. Like you know, you can actually get off your your. Uh, I never your, knew that. So it, it 
and it just the technology wasn't there for uh, that mm-hmm. game, and and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Where uh, there are many franchises that are seemingly dead and, and could probably be better picks, but for me, Star Fox could be that game where technology is caught up to right now, where you can have a flying simulator, like No Man's Sky esque type thing, right? That's fair. And then go planet to planet, explore, and it really be like this massive Nintendo. Uh, game where it's their next big huge triple a game it mm. could be their it could be the next game that they can have where it can compete with other open world games in terms of being like an open world rpg gotcha. but also have that you know obviously what makes star fox star fox which is the kind of flying simulator stuff. right who would make it that's a little more uh tartar i've seen the who the i think the company's called nilo and they made or they're making corvus corvus the video game that's coming out in the next couple of months. It's a mm. flight. It's a it's a shooter. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who would make it specifically. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to draw a blank on the developer because I don't know of any developer who's made a game like this. Obviously, okay. it would have to be Nintendo, right? I mean, well, yeah, yeah, but they can outsource like they did with Ubisoft or something like that. Yeah, right? so. No, I I don't know. I I, I would I, I would have to get back to you on the developer because this is something that I'm really thinking hard on in terms of uh, because I, I really feel like it could be like this almost like this entryway to it being mm-hmm. more than Star Fox and it being something that Nintendo does not have in their catalog uh, than being just a on rails you know shooter in that way. They can be more like they can take the ideas of Star Fox too and 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 expand them to to uh, to make it. The next great open world RPG for Nintendo, in that sense. So gotcha. that's where I'm at with that. Okay, question number two for you. Let's go. Uh, this is more current. Mm-hmm. This is a question that I think that a thing that we've talked about often. Will Bethesda games going forward be exclusive to Xbox Series consoles? Oh yes, <laughs> baby. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, they. They. Uh, I think they are. Um, you know, look, seven point five billion dollars is not. Uh, chump change by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I I don't think that they if if I had to take a guess I don't think they've completely ruled out the possibility. Um, I I would see one of two things happening. I would see either uh, one they would go full blown exclusive. It just is what it is. Sorry everybody else, you're just gonna have to get on Xbox, um, which I think is the likely scenario. And I do see a possible second scenario, although not very likely, where they may. Um, do some games multi-platform, but they would be so inferior to the Xbox versions of the game that it almost wouldn't be worth getting a PlayStation version of the next Elder Scrolls because Plus, they probably exactly, and they probably have exclusive content. You know, they'd probably do a bunch of crazy shit like that just to make it so lopsided that you wouldn't even want to get it uh, on another console. But I, I think it's gonna be. I think they're gonna be exclusive. Um, I think Sony is subliminally trying to see if they can sway them a little bit because they're still promoting Deathloop, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later on in the show. But I I was especially surprised to see that on their state of play, not because the game isn't uh, anticipated, but because it is a Bethesda game and it's known. What? It ain't by you. We'll talk about it. You know, I, I'll say this, and I'll jump in here into yeah. my own question because this is something that I'll do quite often. Um, <laughs> I, I I heard this, I think today or, or yesterday, where Phil Spencer has this uh, kind of persona of being like this really nice guy, but nobody gets to that position without being a stone-cold mm-hmm. motherfucking killer. And I, that guy behind doors is probably saying, these games are exclusives. 
I don't give a shit. However, I would love that. However, I, I I don't know what the future of Xbox is if their future is publishing, and I don't know. If this is kind of like them cracking the door mm. a little bit. Like, yeah, we're gonna publish because it'll be it'll be it'll also be pretty dope to turn on your PlayStation Five and have the Microsoft publishing yeah. uh, logo come up, and you're like, so it's one of those things. But um, yeah, I I, I think Starfield yeah. is. Definitely going to be exclusive because Sony was shopping. They were trying to buy it, trying to make it exclusive to their consoles for, for a yeah. long time. So, yeah yeah. 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 So, that's a good answer. Good answer. I, I'm with you on that 100%. Okay. So, uh, yeah. you want me to go ahead and jump in? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, so you- speaking of our boy Phil, question. Mm-hmm. You take over Phil Spencer's job at Team Xbox. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you do? Uh... Probably make him go bankrupt quite immediately. Mm. Uh, you no, a, I, I. You have a Zoom meeting with like a secret console in the background on a, on a, on a bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I think I mean, come from the outside looking in. I don't know anything about business dealings. I, 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 I buy. I know they're doing this already, but I, I, I'd have to try my very damn best mm-hmm. to really, really buy a known IP. Like, I, for example. Mm. Buying um, Rare, they have Rare, right? Right. And they're making um, Perfect Dark. Yeah. That's. Are we gonna pretend that we've been anticipating Perfect Dark for years? Like as a, like that's a that's a that's a dead franchise. I don't care what anybody. That, that oh, last yeah, time I we totally saw, agree. the last time we saw it was on Xbox 360, and that shit was trash. It. it I, I'm thinking like buy the rights to <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, like something massive and huge okay so you're going for broke yeah yeah because ultimately i think at the end of the day sony has sony when you look back at the failures of ps3 it was all self-inflicted xbox came in swooped in did everything right or at least they were pretty they did what they had to do as a console right right right. sony told people get a second job they released a year after xbox 360 did Mm -hmm. and then they 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 had some games that were kind of like at first, you know, yeah. they, and they had some exclusives that were a little bit like Haze, like what the hell is that? Mag, Ooh, is that? I remember that. Yeah, like those kind of exclusives were. They were still trying to find like uh, PlayStation All Stars, garbage. Oof. Um, but they found their stride. And at the end of the PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty thing, people think about Xbox Three Sixty winning that out. Actually, yeah. PlayStation had the most sales at the end of it all. Like when it all was said yeah, and done, yeah, worldwide exactly. sales, PlayStation Three sold more than Xbox Three Sixty. Yep. So. I, I think Xbox is going to, always going to be an uphill climb. They have to make themselves mm. absolutely essential to video gamers to the point where they cannot be Sega. They mm-hmm. cannot be the next Dreamcast. They have to always be there because they own a treasure of video games, right? Yeah. And that's where I'm at with them. I go for broke because even if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, Microsoft owns the IPs. Exactly. They'll be relevant yeah. throughout. And I'm not talking about owning Sonic. And I'm not talking about owning Dino Crisis. Right, right. I'm talking about owning Grand Theft Auto and, and, and huge franchises, which stuff yeah. that they already own. Um, that that kind of would be my thing. Yeah. And also, another thing that I would do is I would probably, with and the other to- side of that token, is probably release Halo games on PlayStation. On PlayStation. You would do, you yeah. Know, so you would make games multi- multi-platform. Yeah, I think I, I I go like older games multi-platform, a, a some mm. kind of a special edition that would okay. go, go on these consoles, just so people can actually be able to. Play. They're not making more money on play on, on Halo One, right? So no. putting it out on, on different systems, just kind of having this this presence in it's video. Sort of like game. an appetizer for PlayStation fans to kind of see what's missing over. Yeah, and just over here. and more or less, isn't even about being exclusive or not exclusive. It's about having a presence in video games that right. is undeniable. 
And that's kind of my would be my my whole thing. It's to be okay. absolutely undeniable in in, in video games. That's that's my answer Word. to that. Uh, all right. Terrible, so terrible answer. <laughs> so uh, who will come out on top? This is my next question. Okay. When it's all said and done, and we kind of already touched on this mm-hmm. uh, with this question. So in your opinion, when we look back at PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, Switch, Switch Two, Switch Pro, whatever you want to call it, who would ha- who would come out on top? And I'm not talking about just sales. I'm talking about cultural impact. I'm talking about the titles that came out, uh, new IPs that were introduced that became huge uh, AAA stuff. What what do you think uh, will happen? Like, who will come out on top? Oh, man. Um, I think I think it's probably going to be Nintendo. Um, they've, they've just, they've stood the test of time for so many years already, and, and their franchises, you know, although some can argue that they've been uh, stagnant in some ways and, or playing it overly safe in others, I think they have shown over the span of, of forever that they just know how to stay relevant, they know how to stay impactful, they know how to keep their names in everybody's mouths, even if it's for another Mario Kart something or other, or uh, you know Super Smash Brothers or something like that. Like they always have, they always have a way to kind of break through and in, into pop culture, um, and so I think they'll always be that. They'll always be Nintendo, uh, yep. generation to generation. I think they've already proven that already by now. I think they'll continue to do that in the end. Um, I think Sony and Microsoft are kind of, to me, more neck and neck because they've had their share of hits and misses over the years. They've done a lot of anti-consumer stuff, pro-consumer stuff, and they just kind of you know bounce around uh, over over the course of time. And I think that Nintendo, although they've made some huge-ass missteps of their own, I think they've always been relatively consistent, whether they drive people crazy about the shit they do or, or not. I think they always kind of come out on top in the end, and I, I think they will again. Follow-up question. Okay. You don't think people? It's gonna wear thin on people with Nintendo and their antics because right Ooh. now I think we, we gotta are, talk about that. But yeah, because yeah. we we are we are in a weird time mm-hmm. where nobody is safe. Nobody is safe. The, the, the things that are once sacred are no longer sacred, and even even the opposite. The things that we thought were garbage, people are now saying they're good. Skyward Sword. Um, that's true. Yeah. So. You don't think that if this year nothing comes out besides uh, Mario Golf and the Pokemon remake at the end of the year, and then next year uh, they push back uh, Breath of the Wild, which actually Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, all these games mm-hmm. get pushed back. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. wait. <laughs> if all these games get pushed back and Metroid 4 is oh, not man. in order to be seen, Bayonetta 3 is in order to be seen, would that would start wearing thin on people? Because I think for me... Uh, I, I find myself making excuses for Nintendo all the time. Oh, we're gonna get into that. So I don't know, right? So <laughs> I don't know where I would be in a year from now if we have nothing of of substance. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it can wear thin. I think that what Nintendo has to realize, and I don't want to spoil too much of future conversations, mm-hmm. but I think what Nintendo has to realize is that everybody has a fuse as a gamer, and and I think our fuses have been lit more often due to Industry-related bullshit with microtransactions and yep. uh, you know the, the you know the, the cyberpunk kind of stories that happen, albeit once in a blue moon, but happen. Um, so I think we are more easily frustrated now than ever before. Um, and I do think that if Nintendo um, ha- continues to be difficult in any kind of way or just unreliable in any kind of way, I do see it wearing thin on some people. I think that there are the Nintendo fans that, that, that think Nintendo can do no wrong, ever. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't think they're going to be very affected, but I do think that um, the general gamer is going to be kind of like, all right, come on, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's let's figure this shit out. Um, so I do think it's possible. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. What do you got for me? All right. So my third question. All right, you gotta you gotta you gotta do the Thanos snap on one game from ex- from being existent from existence. Period. One game or one franchise. One game, and I have the three options. One, it's a, it's basically a one gotta go Marvel edition. Uh, <laughs> Me- Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, <laughs> Breath of the Wild, or Red Dead Redemption Two. One ceases to exist. It never happened. The series still lives on, but that game did not happen. Ah. Um, I know it doesn't make sense, but you got to. No, make no, it no. Of course, sense. of course. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> um, right. Man, just so we know, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater is not going anywhere. This is between Breath of the Wild and Red mm-hmm. Dead Redemption Two, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think I would have to say, just as, just not to betray myself, <laughs> it would ha- it'd probably be Red Dead Redemption Two that would have to go. Really? Away. Yeah. Um, That's not what I thought you'd pick. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think over time, Breath of the Wild has uh, become even a bigger deal to me. Uh, Really? Yeah. I I think, you know, a lot of games, like uh, even Red Dead Redemption 2, playing Mm it uh, and just absolutely being enthralled and, and loving every minute of it and in replaying it last year seeing you know okay this could be better this could be better i i had the opposite effect with uh with breath of the wild uh in terms of i played it and, and my first playthrough was about 70 hours and i loved that game but i had complaints about the story and 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 how some of the the things played out mm-hmm. and 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 the shrines and then over time the exploration of that game, just like after I was done with everything, right? Just Link out in, in Hyrule, it, it really is just kind of like, I mean, three years down the road, I'm finding shit. I've, I was like, oh, what the hell is this? That's like, true, things, yeah. Lots to discover. Yeah, it's it's an actually, it's really, really, really special game. And, and I, I I think over time, I'm finding it actually climb my, my, my best of all time mm. lists. Um, mm. I think right now, it probably might be my second or third favorite Zelda game. Uh, okay. You know, I don't know. For, for me, it's 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 definitely gonna be Red Dead Redemption Two, easy. Uh, and just so a little take here, maybe future content we'll do a, a our greatest list. But okay. Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater is my number two favorite game of all time, and and that's not going anywhere. And the other two games were overrated. All right, you're uh, you're, you're, up. you're up, you're up, you're up. All right, so my number four <laughs> is. Uh, when you think about video games, mm-hmm. what's the first video game character that comes to mind, and why? Strangely enough, it's it's Master Chief. Um, really? Master Chief, yeah, Master Chief for me, um, it, it's not that Master Chief is my favorite character or my favorite protagonist ever. I just think that he is the most video game-ass character that I can think of. He's He's got, you know... I guess the, be- the best word for it is superhuman abilities. Yeah. Can do things that a general person can't do. Um, he's got an element of mystique to him, uh, like a lot of my favorite characters uh, in video games do. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's, he's, he's been involved in a lot of you know, really memorable moments over the years and represents a lot of um, the cultural appeal of video games right, that have right. happened over the last 20, 25 years. Uh, so he's not my favorite character, but he is probably the first one that pops in my Man. head as just being 
that's video games to me. And most people will say Mario. That's probably yeah. the go-to answer. But um, I think Mario, and this is maybe a bit of a hot take, but he's becoming more, a little bit more niche than probably years past because yeah. there's so many new franchises out. There's so many new IPs that have come along over the years that have made a huge dent in gaming. And I think that... Um, not that it's taken away from Mario's impact on gaming, but I just think that there's a different, um, you know, there's a different demographic these days too. You know, it's not just kids playing games anymore. It's, it's grown adults like us, you know, that, that play them all the time. And Mario doesn't really hit with everybody uh, on a on a really deep level. I think characters like Master Chief are, are a little bit more. Yeah. They they cover more ground. Yeah. Uh, so I would say I'd say it's it's the homie. I thought you were gonna say the lady in lingerie from Night Trap. How did you... Are you, like, spying on my computer? <laughs> that was... Okay. So he didn't... Okay. What do you got? This is uncomfortable. All right. Okay. So number four for me. Uh, what is the best game that, that virtually no one has played? So basically, like, Hidden Gem... Okay. Would you consider... Uh, oh, my gosh. Now I'm blanking on the game. Uh, Platform? It, it's, it's a 360 Chinese fighting... You're a cop. Sleeping Dogs? Yeah, Sleeping Dogs. Would you consider that a, a gem? Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I think Sleeping Gems is... Sleeping Dogs? It's sleeping Dogs, Sleeping <laughs> Gems. So, I think uh, Sleeping... That's the new Bejeweled game that came out in 2007. <laughs> uh, the Bejeweled uh, spinoff. Uh, I think Sleeping Dogs is that game. Um, okay. I, you know, when it first came out, it, it, I don't think people really gave it a chance because it... it it was supposed to be a true crimes game, right? Uh, and it got kind of reskinned to that. And but I, honestly, the story of that game is absolutely phenomenal in terms of like it's up there with Yakuza games to me, mm. uh, as just being like this pulpy uh, crime uh, Chinese mafia. You're a cop that's coming in, makes no sense from yeah. LA, and now you're going undercover because you used to live there, uh, and so. And just the way everything happens and the story goes down, and it's a really, really, really dope story, uh, all the right. way to the end. Like even when they catch you and they know that you're a rat, uh, that whole sequence that happens—spoiler alert for uh, Sleeping Dogs—the uh, whole sequence that happens is so, is so cinematic, but yet is it, it fits so well within the video game. It's it's so good. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that gameplay-wise, and even playing it now is kind of hard to get through. Uh, but when that first game came out, yeah. I had no expectations, and I was blown the fuck away. And also had uh, Emma Stone in the game. It did. Yeah, she's one of the she's one of the girls that's on vacation, uh, <laughs> and she's uh, you know you talk to her, you take her on a date or something. Does she have a uh, Tinder account? <laughs> uh, okay, okay. But I it, didn't know that actually. Yeah, cool. it it really is, and the voice acting phenomenal voice acting. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah that was really uh, solid. Yeah. The characters in that game, everybody really, 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 really stood out. It, it's a hell of a well-written game great idea another game that I think would, would probably benefit from a, a, from a sequel alright let's uh, go okay yeah that's, uh, that's from oh I thought you were going to give another game no 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 no. I said another game that I think would benefit from uh, oh I see what from, you're saying from like you know a, a, re a, a remake or a, just a part two right um, at this point, I want a remake just so people experience that story. I mean, so good, so damn. Yeah, good. they did a remastered version of it. I think um, mm -hmm. when Xbox One, PS4 first came out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It ran like butthole. I wonder. I wonder if there's anything with the with the new Spinters. systems. Sorry, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> with the new systems, if uh, it runs better or anything, because I would really want to jump. Oh, back that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I own. I, I'll see. What, I'll see if it works out. You know, All that's right. a great game. All right, my last number five. 
uh, to you. And it's funny because this isn't something I planned in any way, shape, or form. It's written here since I got it. My f- number five is, why do you hate Breath of the Wild? Oh, man. So let's talk about, like, how much time? Okay. The next two-hour slot is, this is really just going to be Breath of the Wild. No, look, I, I think that um, Breath of the Wild is... Um, an amazing game. It's one of the best games I've ever played. I think that my bone to pick with the consensus about Breath of the Wild is that people call it groundbreaking. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I think it's a great, great open world effort from Nintendo. But to me, um, and again, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a Nintendo fanboy, yeah. so I'm just going to keep it real as I know it. But um, I, I think that sometimes, and I've said this to you in the past, Pablo. I've said that. Nintendo is to consoles what Apple is to phones. Yeah. In that, I think that Apple is that company that that will like come out with a new feature that's been around for years that Samsung has done forever ago, and then champion it as this brand new thing. And I think that when Breath of the Wild was announced and it was this open world game, and oh shit, Nintendo's doing open world Zelda. Um, oh my god, unbelievable! Like it was definitely worth being excited about for sure. Um, I was looking forward to it. I know you were looking forward to it, uh-huh. but. When it came out, it was just a really, really, really well done, incredible open world game. But the idea that it's innovative or groundbreaking or that it's it's done something radically new or different in the open world action adventure genre to me is just vastly overblown. And I think that's where a lot of the the Nintendo soldiers come out and, and try to like overhype it. Um, people can call it a masterpiece. That's fine. I, I think you know there's no such thing as a perfect game, but masterpiece no. definitely still works for this type of game. But calling it in, uh, innovative, I, I don't I don't see it. I think what happens a lot is just that argument gets conflated. It's groundbreaking and innovative for Zelda. Mm-hmm. It's groundbreaking and innovative for Nintendo. Sure. And then it, that argument gets conflated into it's groundbreaking and innovative. Period. Period. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I tend to agree that the game itself isn't exactly. It didn't change the. It didn't change the landscape of open world games. Right. I think the physics of that game are actually kind of groundbreaking throughout. Just, just the, the painstaking kind of uh, uh, detail to that. The things that you can do in that game. Okay. Uh, based off just your imagination and how the systems work in that game. I do think that that is groundbreaking. However. I it's it doesn't do anything that's particularly uh, better than for example Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. Two, uh, and I think other games like Grand Theft Auto will always be a, the better open world kind of uh, a game at that point. But I I just think it's a conflation of arguments that always happens where Super Mario is the best Super Mario Three yeah. World is the best Super Mario Three Three uh, D uh, platformer then which comes it Super Mario Three D World is the best platformer on Nintendo Super Mario Three D is the best platformer of all time uh, of all time yeah, exactly yeah. so yeah. that happens quite often it escalates so, too quickly yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah that was my number five what do you got all right well uh, kind of somewhat the same theme uh, what would you say is the most overrated game of the last five years I think I know your answer but I wanted to still drop this the most overrated game of the last five years yes you think you know my answer yeah I do if I say it you're probably gonna go oh yeah that's probably it but I don't wanna I don't wanna just do you that. don't wanna man that's the PlayStation Horizon game. Zero yeah, Dawn yeah there it is <laughs> uh, yes Horizon Zero Dawn to me <laughs> has gotta be the most overhyped mediocre game of all time uh, and, and look and I will be the first one to say that that game deserves and will benefit from a sequel. And I've said that. Absolutely. And I've said that often. Because I think that all the things are there. Uh, but I think that that game wanted to be everything. It had uh, it had 
uh, dialogue trees and options that didn't mean anything. It had mm-hmm. mediocre uh, battle, um, gameplay systems in terms of, of fighting enemies. I, I think that the robots in the game are uh, fine, but the, design-wise, they're not anything special after they a while. Yeah, they, 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 they get a little bit you know repetitive. The, the yeah. big monster with the neck thing, that's really cool for the first like two times you see them and then whatever. That's right? the official name for it. Too. Yeah, the big monster with the neck thing. Uh, and then uh, when you get into other areas, you get these variations or these new one, like yeah. one robot, like the alligator robot, those kind of stuff. And this is not a game that I played for five minutes. I played like 30, 40 hours of this game. I, I think yeah. it, it, all the game, all the story is told uh, at, uh, uh, like just, they just throw up uh, exposition <laughs> through audio files. Yeah. And it's just like you're sitting there, like you can't even walk oh, away from it sometimes. You're just sitting there just kind of like that was listening to the guy from Fringe talk uh, <laughs> yeah. talk to you incessantly about hinting at these at this story that I'd rather see in a cutscene and then mm-hmm. I, I think that even the developers bragged about there's no out of game cutscenes or something like that or that there's something uh, that, and then, yeah yeah and it's like did, why yeah. it's not nothing to be impressed about no, uh, give me the give me the dope ass cutscenes that instead of your anyway I can go around this about oh, this bro. yeah no all, I, I totally agree though I all totally day. agree um, yeah. but as a as a as a it's not a complete fla- failure. It's not a horrible game. Uh, no. It's just with with everything, some publications and YouTube uh, users giving it game of the year over Breath of the Wild. Are you kidding me? <laughs> say whatever you want to say about Breath of the Wild, but that game is better uh, than uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think that it was a great effort from Guerrilla coming off of the heels of, of Killzone, which oh, really yeah. never it never really was what it could have been. I think it was a really interesting shift for them, and yeah. I think that got a lot of people excited to say, wow, I can't believe they're making a game like this. And so when it came out, it's like, oh my god, and this is the people that make Killzone? And I think it was just that, like, that That's oh true. wow stuff that, That's that true. kind of dazzled people into thinking, wow, this is a really, really awesome game. It's it, And it's from the people so, that make Killzone. Like, so it's, it's the same argument. Right. The conflation of argument. Yeah, exactly. This is groundbreaking for, for the uh, the developers that make Killzone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now it's a groundbreaking open world game with... Uh, and also, the, I'm not going to go on about it because <laughs> I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's great. And people uh, uh, are... <laughs> Losing their minds over the game, or lost their uh, minds over the game. All right, Marco. So that was a good time. That, that was, was good. good I think people got an idea of who we are. Also, um, yeah, you know, uh, I hate Christopher Nolan. Can we talk about that? No, no, just kidding. Listen, uh, no, no, we'll never bring that up in this uh, on this podcast because uh, it'll end up with a grown man crying yeah, out of anger. <laughs> <laughs> Marco, break down those segments. We uh, so how, how are we? How is the? How is this podcast going to go about? What are we doing? Are we? How? What's the structure? Talk to us. Uh, what is a str- you know? So what we're gonna do <laughs> is, is, you know, look like we said in the beginning of the show. Um, you know, we've we we're a big fan of podcasts. We love gaming podcasts. We listen to pretty much all the big ones, the ones that you've probably listened to yourself. Um, and so you know, we learned along the way that you know we don't want to do the same type of shit. Now there's gonna be some stuff that's gonna be somewhat similar to what you hear out there, but we wanted to do our own spin on um, segments of our podcast to be a little bit different, uh, to be a little bit more uh, uh, cool, as they say. So um, I'm going to kind of go through uh, what we're going to be doing on a, on a uh, podcast-to-podcast basis, and there will be some uh, other segments that we'll introduce in the future uh, to try things out, and, um, and I'm sure you guys will hate them 
uh, just the same. <laughs> but um, so you know, every every week we're going to start off with um, what we call loadouts, and this is a spin on the usual what you've been playing segment of of typical video game podcasts because. Our loadouts are going to basically be beyond what we're just playing video game-wise. We're going to also get into what we're watching, if there's any movies or TV shows that have come out, anything going on with the, with, with the sports, because we do like the sports, mm-hmm. uh, or anything real life that, that just kind of stands out to us. So it's basically us just kind of building a loadout of stuff that has happened to us since the last time you've heard us, and we will talk through those things and, uh, and, and go from there. Um, Second segment of the show, uh, that's really going to be where uh, uh, it gets it gets juicy, if you will. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and we're going to call that segment Booty Juice. <laughs> um, so what Booty Juice is, and, and we've kind of talked about it internally. If, we're not sure if you guys know uh, The Breakfast Club uh, or Charlemagne the God, but he does this segment called Donkey of the Day, where he basically gives out an award to someone in the music industry that, that is stanking it up. And, also, this is a Marcoism, booty juice. Oh yeah, booty he, juice. Every uh, time something's happening in the game that happens no good, or, or his description of the game it would be booty juice, and I know it's all the time. Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, I think it came from when we were playing Fortnite. Uh, it was you, me, and a couple friends, and uh, it was uh, I don't even know what the real name of it is now. Uh, it's the it's, it's the, the slurp the slurp juice. Yes. Uh, yeah, I never called it that, and it just became booty juice. And um, you know, some people have adopted it over time, and I've been uh, a proud dad when it came to that. <laughs> but uh, but basically, booty juice is going to be um, you know a, a segment where we are going to award someone or something or some aspect of uh, you know the industry, something maybe current event related, something that maybe isn't uh, that we think is just. Uh, really noteworthy for all the worst possible reasons. So uh, we will always have a booty juice selection every single week. We hope you like it. Third segment uh, we will be doing is called Checkpoint Chat. And that's going to be our big discussion, the big topic of of the show. And that's going to range from talking about certain video games, uh, just kind of dissecting them, kind of post-mortem, something industry related. Uh, it could also be something that we're going to do uh, later on in the show, which is kind of get into some lists. Um, just basically the big topic of the episode that we want to take a deep dive into uh, that's gaming related. So that's going to be the checkpoint chat. And then coming off of that, we will have what we call the cool down time. Uh, fitting name, uh, but that's basically going to be kind of after we come off the heels of that big-ass conversation about something gaming-related in our Checkpoint Chat, we want to kind of wind it down with something a little bit easier, and we'll just kind of make those topics about real-life stuff, uh, stuff that pertains to Pablo and, and, and mine's friendship, um, you know, things about our, our lifestyle and kind of where uh, video games in, in real life do and do not intersect for us. So mm-hmm. it'll be just kind of a little wind-down topic to kind of ease out of things. And the last thing, it's not a segment, but this is a new thing we're introducing. We're going to try it out. Hopefully it doesn't suck ass and become a Buddha Juice topic itself. But um, we are going to be doing something that we call Team Kills. So Pablo and I are, are extremely opinionated people when it comes to games. If you've probably already picked up on that by now, uh, it gets worse. Trust me. Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are pretty terrible. Uh, hot take city. Um, but sometimes... One of us will say something that is so out there, so egregious, that it just warrants a, a stop and, and, a, and a tear down by the other person. So here's how it's going to go. Let's say I just got done saying I think Breath of the Wild is, is, is complete trash. 
And I start going in about why I think it's trash. Pablo can basically say, yell out team kill. And I have to shut up for two minutes so that he can go in on me and basically tear down my entire argument. And I'm not allowed to interrupt. So um, this is going to be something that we're not going to do every single episode. We're not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. No, no. But when we feel the need to basically shut the other person the fuck down, uh, we are going to team kill each other yeah. and do that. We are only allowed to have one team kill per episode at, at the best. Um, and like I said, we'll use it sometimes. Sometimes we won't. Um, but when it gets really, really out there, and I know he's going to use it on me when I talk about Nintendo shit, um, we I mean, will team I, I, kill. I honestly think that that will be used not as much as we think it would be. Because I don't know, man. I, because, I mean, we we always, uh, our, our opinions intersect often, mm-hmm. but when they, they don't, they, they really don't. But right. I, I think that that doesn't happen as often as, as we And I think sometimes we do a lot of put-ons about, you know, about uh, protecting a, a certain game. Like, I remember one time we had a kind of a debate about Zelda not being groundbreaking or anything like that. And, yes. you know, I, obviously, you know, as my explanation a couple of minutes ago shows, it's like I I agree. I don't think it's groundbreaking in terms of like th- of all time, but right. you know for Nintendo stuff like that. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I like that uh, quite often because I am a very very famous interrupter. So it's good to shut me up. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is 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 uh, I've been saving a lot of hot take ass opinions uh, for this show so I, I plan on surprising you quite a few times with Mark, some things that I have to say Marco pisses me off because every time I have something to say I say it immediately and then Marco saves it and then hits me later and like knocks me out I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do what you do it's what makes me great uh, <laughs> so yeah uh, so yeah that's that's kind of our segment breakdown guys that's what you should expect to see from the show uh, episode to episode and obviously as time goes on this is obviously episode one we'll see what happens we'll see if it's any any good if it sucks um, I'm sure we'll hear it from from all four of our uh, starting fans um, but yeah yeah we'll we'll be we'll be kind of rolling with that so uh, with that being said I think we are kind of ready to move on um, and let's get started let's yeah. kick this right off with loadouts so um, and before we do that yes. I do want to kind of preface and saying this being the first episode right we've got a lot of information we want to get out there so this is going to be a longer episode it's probably not going to be always this long mm-hmm. uh, but just if you guys are listening for the first time and you see a, a, a two hour it's ten. always going to be this long <laughs> it might it might be it might be but <laughs> but our plan our, our plan isn't it for it to be two three hour thing yeah, but if it is it is but okay. yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah we'll we'll we won't we won't be too out of control uh, in future episodes we've got a lot of ground to cover guys I mean it's so not like we respect your time or anything we respect at ours all. at all um, this is the best part of your day. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and get this started, man. Let's uh, let's get into our loadout. So Pablo, what is in your loadout for this episode? So uh, you want how you want to do this one by one? You just cover all your bases. Okay. Man. So uh, first thing on there, I have a my Super Mario 3D World Browser Fury playthrough that I'm going through right now. Okay. Um, you know, I. Super Mario 3D World is is a a game that I uh, didn't get a lot of time with. Uh, because they came out with for the Wii U, which was uh, famously a terrible console, which people are now saying that it was actually good. Those guys are hilarious. Booty um, juice. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Keep <laughs> wrong segment. Wrong segment. <laughs> uh, and um, and I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying uh, my time with 3D World. I, I it was the only game that I was playing on Switch for so so long uh, that I kind of forgot about Bowser's Fury because I was just 
turning on the system and picking up where I left off. <laughs> and then I turned on Bowser's Fury. I was like, you know what? Let me get through Bowser's Fury because yeah. it's the it's the it's the new thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you something about Bowser Fury. Bowser Fury. I think Bowser Fury is the future of all Mario games because it it implements everything from the side-scrolling type 3D world that 3D that uh, 3D Mario game that 3D world is, and the open world uh, or the open kind of openish world that uh, Odyssey is. Basically, this is how it starts. You're Mario. You're a plumber from Italy. He was born. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, so basically, you're, you, you jump into this. Uh, to this. Man, I almost fell for that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. so it's a story. Yeah, yeah. So it's about tragedy and loss. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. No, but basically, you know, you start off and Bowser is uh, furious. Um, mm. So you don't know what's mm. happening. He's like, he's like lost his mind. He went like Godzilla. He's huge and he's destroying the the world. So. You start off, and Bowser Jr. is there. He's your. You could play co-op. That man got kids. Yeah, he got kids, and he's like, "Hey, help me, because my dad is out of control." So basically, what you have to do is collect these stars uh, to uh, turn on this lighthouse that will calm Bowser down naturally. Naturally, yeah. of course, because that's how this works. <laughs> so every time you collect a, a, a star and you fill it, a, um, and you fill up the the, the, the tower. That world change it stays it's perpetually the same but it changes it's not it's not um it's not constantly changing in that where it's like randomly changing it's changing to where like these to, to another set pattern like basically the world itself it's changing into the next level instead of you entering the oh. next level Bowser's destroying the world to make it, to shape it into another uh, portion oh, of it uh, so and every once in a while while you're collecting these stars Bowser loses his shit and then the whole world goes red. And then it's the same level, but he's throwing like fireballs at oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, I've so, seen that in the trailers. Yeah, so I think that this is kind of like a, a proof of concept for them, uh, mm. where it's going to be an open world game, uh, but it's going to be consistently changing on you, and uh, and I think that that's really really super interesting because yeah. I I will say that Odyssey was very enjoyable. I think it's a little overrated at times, uh, and 3D World is really good. Um, it's probably one of my favorite. 3D uh, games now, yeah. uh, but I, I think that the franchise is falling a little stagnant, a little stale. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think they need something—a kick in the ass—to uh, actually um, revamp it. What the funny thing about that is, Mario—they keep it pretty much status quo, but they always fuck with Luigi. They always make him do weird shit, and it always works out because <laughs> Luigi Mansion it's Three is—it's really awesome. Like yeah. it's a really good time. It's like they, they experiment with everybody, like Toad's uh, Toad's Tracker, Toad's. Uh, Treasure oh, yeah, Tracker. Yeah. Treasure. That's a really cool mini game in 3D World, which is actually a full fledged game now. Yeah, uh, and that's a really. I'd rather sometimes play that. That's actually really cool. Uh, you're limited. There's no jumping. There's nothing. It's just it's all that's puzzle true. segmented. Yeah, but they never mess with Mario shit. It's always gonna be an an open world concept like mm-hmm. Odyssey or an open world 3D world like 3D World, where it's exactly, like you, yeah. you go jump on a board and to. So I'm. I'm looking forward to what this means for Mario going forward, yeah. uh, but I'm really enjoying my time with that. Uh, the second thing that we're that I'm playing uh, every day with you, All my friends, is uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Man, I wouldn't say that I am a Call of Duty person. Oh no, yeah, me neither. Uh, like I don't, I'm not. You know, there's a lot of people and power to them that play Madden, Call of Duty, or you know, they 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 own their console to play Call of Duty. And listen, that's awesome. That's cool. Play games the way you want to play them, mm-hmm. uh, but I, that's not my that's not my uh, kind of thing. The way I play games is I play everything, all the things. Uh, but 
I'm really, really into Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I've heard all the criticisms. I know that people like Modern Warfare way better for uh, for their own reasons. <laughs> I don't agree. I, I think that Cold War is arcs back to World at War, that kind of simplified exactly. Uh, 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 multiplayer, you know, the, the, the weapons are are really interesting, uh, really cool. I, I like, uh, you know, I found my 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 loadout. Hey, hey. Uh, and I really, I'm really enjoying my game. I, I, I mean, I play every night. I mean, and uh, there's no damn near every night. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it kind of like was what Over, Overwatch was uh, for us because we played Overwatch for and we played the dog yeah. shit out of some Overwatch. Yeah, yes. and yeah. so. Um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying Call, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops. For the multiplayer, I don't play zombies or I haven't played zombies, and I didn't complete the, the single-player uh, campaign, but that multiplayer... And I don't play Warzone uh, anymore. We did a little bit of that. Yeah, well, we dabbled, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Cold War multiplayer alone has given me life in 2020 and 2021. It is an absolute... Great time, and I love uh, every moment yeah, of it. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I'll, I'll save some opinions for later on about yeah. that game, but yeah, I, I think it's been a, su- a very pleasant surprise, Yeah, uh, to say the least, considering how little of Call of Duty I've enjoyed over the years. Yeah, so yeah, it, I'm down with that. Another, and it's another franchise that I felt like has been going... I mean, it, it definitely went like really crazy, oh, yeah. and then it kind of scaled back a little bit, and then it started going that way again. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people saw Cold War and it how scaled back it was again. That kind of threw people off a little. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but I, I, I like it. I, I think you know. I think there's very little wrong with it except just grievers and, and, and jumpers. People jumping. Oh, like them jump kills. Yeah. Uh, and then that's kind of. And then I'm playing Persona Five Royal again. Um, Man, you ain't gonna beat that shit. <laughs> but I, I don't. I mean, I, I might in the next five years. I mean, the way I play, Man. like I'm about sixty hours in. That's where I've picked up my save file from. I'm enjoying my time with it. Um, I, I I I continue to struggle. This is gonna be. This might be a, a, a team kill. I'm getting. Re- I, I was just about. I'm practicing saying it right now. I continue to struggle to find. And this is not a criticism, actually. This is a, a me thing. So this might not be it. Because okay. I, I I continue to struggle to find what people love about this game so much so that they set through 120 hours someone help me someone uh, and it's I think it's a me thing because I get it stylistically it's awesome the story is really good the characters are really good yeah. the the um the battle system is fine I don't think that's that's like the best oh, part of the game. he said fine he uh, just said fine I, I mean I, I, fine I, is what he said I mean I think I think I think it's good <laughs> I don't think anything's wrong with it I just don't I think I like all the other aspects okay of the game better that's fair uh, that's and, fair and then uh, the setup going through the through the um, through the uh, dungeons change, change and, and hearts, man. yeah the change of hearts and, and the calling card stuff mm-hmm. all that stuff is really intricate the game is really dense and I, 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 I really appreciate it for that um, it's just I as a package, I, I I find myself drifting away from it for no other reason than I found something else to play. Um, and because you buy nine hundred and seventy-two games a month, but That's maybe, but I don't, I don't, I don't drift away from other games like that that are uh, perceived as like because this people talk about this being the best JRPG of all time or one of them you know well, that's, uh, that's, and, that's one of my hot takes right and no and, and, and um and so they're usually when games have that kind of pedigree behind them I don't drift away unless there's something wrong and I can point out why I don't like Horizon Zero Dawn I can point out why I don't like other games I can't really tell, articulate and tell you what about uh, Persona 5 and Royal now that I actually it takes me out of it I, I, yeah. I, I, I can't articulate why um, and I want to know and I, I, I'm always really 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 into 
interested as to what's next in the story and in the uh, everything that happened. You know, and it's so weird because it's it's such a Japanese game. It it's is. so it, serious. It is, yeah. And then it's so horny. The melodrama, yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it is a little it's a little sexified. Yeah, but and it's it's not as bad as other. No, 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 no. And when I mean by horny, it's like you know, like your sub your home your homeroom teacher is also like what. A sex worker, maybe a little bit. We don't know. I mean, it's ambiguous, but maybe the, the, there's a doctor that wants your 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 penine really hard. And it sure uh, is. <laughs> uh, and she's probably an adult, and you're a high school kid for sure. Um, there's everything wrong with that, actually. Yeah, and then, and then there's and then there's like I think there's uh, some stuff about and about you know there's no yeah some of the topics they yeah. do cover is a little bit I mean they do push the envelope in some ways. My guy, the first the first the first dungeon, the first change of heart is about a guy who here. is sexually harassing and possibly sleeping with students, a teacher. I wish somebody would. Yeah, you know. So anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know, it, it, but I, I I am committed, always committed. Well, here's what I'll say, dude. It, yeah. It's it's gonna creep up on you if you if you stick with it, it. There's not gonna be a moment where you're like, oh my god, I'm addicted. It's gonna be one of those moments where you're gonna you're gonna be away from the game for a few days, and you're gonna be like, I kind of miss those characters. Like yeah. they, they become as cheesy as it sounds, they become kind of like that extended friendship you have with yeah, these, yeah. with this group. And then when the game is over, it's that empty feeling of I'm, oh I'm never gonna see them again, or at least at the time. Like yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. now we have a sequel. Uh, with with strikers uh, coming out, I think it came out. Soon. It came out. It did already. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it did. It did. It did. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's one of those games. that's like, oh, I really miss all of these people. I'm never gonna be the same. Okay, maybe that's just me. No, no, yeah. no. I'm like that with a lot of games that I that I really love. Um, yeah. Like any game that I beat that I absolutely uh, like am like totally into. Like I feel like that with Final Fantasy VII. Even though I know like what happened, I just kind of was like, man, I want to. I really want to keep playing yeah. with these people, right? But um. Yeah, so I, I'm committed to I'm, every time I play Persona Five, I'm always committed to, to finish it or try. So I'm committed now. We'll see what happens. That's kind of. I, let me ask you this: What happened to to, to Strikers? Um, in that nobody's talking about that game. I don't know. I think I think to even as, as big of a fan of Persona Five as I was, I I kind of wrote off Strikers immediately because it wasn't a it wasn't a true RPG like in terms of gameplay. Not story, because it's, it's definitely a sequel story-wise. But, like, I wanted another Persona 5 R- like RPG like the first game. So the fact that it went into one of those, like, Mushu games, or, like, Dynasty Warriors and stuff like that, I'm like, ah, oh, nah. And we have, sour, we have a sour taste in our mouth with, um, <sighs> with Age of Calamity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which people pretend that's good. Oh, ugh. It's, yeah, it's trash. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that, that was why I personally wrote it off. Um, and I don't think people realize that it is a full sequel. I, I really didn't, didn't hear about that until very late. Well, people were um, saying that it that I think either Atlas said or that they would they were flirting with putting two behind uh, uh, behind yeah. it. Um, yeah, I think it was named something different in Japan anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's actually that's one of the reasons why I'm playing Royal because uh, you know if I really get into it and I and I and I beat it, uh, then I would want to definitely look at Strikers. Uh, oh, yeah. Even though I know that Strikers isn't a sequel to Royal, it's a sequel to the first one. To the other one, which it, I it, think is actually a better has a. People are going to disagree with this, but yeah. I don't give a fuck. Um, I think Royal has uh, improved on a lot of things on the gameplay side. I think a lot of the things that it introduced on the story side were kind of frivolous to me. Uh, and they did change parts of the... I'm not going to spoil the endings or anything like that, but like the ending is very di- is a little bit different in Royal than the original Persona 5, and not in a way that I actually liked. I, I'm, I'm definitely in the minority with yeah, that. Yeah, because I heard the opposite. Um, yeah. People love it to death. I was of a different mindset. So I'm actually... 
I'm one of like three people that probably feel this way, but I'm actually glad that that Royal that um, Strikers is based on yeah. the original Persona Five and not Royal. Well, I mean, st- sitting here now talking about it, I'm very excited to get back to it. Yeah, um, I'm definitely gonna play that uh, tonight, so uh, it'll be a good time. You but, you can um, play on Call of Duty. I mean, no, Call of Duty's gonna get played. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that. Uh, um, right. Now here's a here's a, a a show that I'm watching, and I am in the minority. I've in been this. waiting for this part, brothers, sisters. You ever heard of a thing called Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> is when someone has you sequestered, uh, you know, you're a hostage, right. and you start kind of either falling in love with them or thinking they're your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Marvel's absence from the cinematic universe has kind of been that, where it's like they haven't, your, your capture has left, and you are sad. You are wanting more and then they drop WandaVision and it didn't matter what that show was going to be about all you fucking people <laughs> were going to love it I'm going to say this one I get it the whole I growing up I was super strict around my house as a little kid even I couldn't watch The Simpsons I I grew up on I Love Lucy on uh, uh, on I Dream of Jeannie uh, I grew up on all I the monkeys we had Nick Jr. going on in your house yeah right? that was well, about it though yeah that's about it Stick Stickly in the in Stick the Stickly uh, New York City New York State 101 uh, <laughs> oh damn I forgot that go ahead uh, but um, you know it's uh, uh, you know I, for me I think that this show is a waste of time and especially with the stuff that's happened recently, I stopped watching. I've been filled in by friends who uh, wanted to tell me that they were going to introduce mutants or the uh, the Fox X Men. They, they no, um, mm-hmm. it's a it, it, for me. My problem with MCU is always going to be it's inconsequential. Uh, people, so people talk about um, what's that? Because you're not an MCU guy. I'm not. A, I'm not yeah. much of a comic book. Uh, yeah. Civil War. People talked about that being the turning point. Tony Stark and Captain America were no longer friends for 10 minutes until a phone call resolved everything when they all needed to come together for Infinity War. Listen. How convenient is that? How convenient is that? <laughs> and that people were crying when Spider-Man was dissolved as if he was never coming back. That oh, man came yeah. back immediately because of mm, time travel, which Tony Stark f- figured out in about five minutes. Yeah. My, 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 I enjoy MCU. I'm not shitting on MCU, maybe a little. I think it's great. It's good time. It's fun. I'll watch everything. But this is the first time ever that it's a, sh- that's a show or a movie that's so uh, connected to the MCU that I have no problem never watching again. I think you guys are crazy to think that this is any good. Uh, <laughs> they, they, t- they took two of the most uninteresting characters and gave them personality. No, they still kept them pretty uninteresting throughout. I mean, I've learned nothing about Vision. I've learned nothing about Wanda. I've learned nothing about all these people except mm-hmm. that... Uh, Vision loves Wanda. Wanda loves Vision, and um, that's about it, guys. I mean, listen, you guys could watch that if you want. I could feel hatred, like it's just not very good. Gravitating, it's just, to it's just you not right very now, good. So. I'm looking forward to what's the next one. The uh, no, I don't know. What's the the Captain America, Falcon, and the and and Soldier, Winter Soldier thing? That's gonna be good, man. Or I more. I can't watch MCU movies. I've tried many. How times. How many have you watched? Because this will shock people. I got through probably two or three at the most. Yeah, and that was like back in the beginning. I I. Don't, I I've watched a few. I, I started to try to watch them in, in order uh, yeah. a couple months back, and, and probably helped me like get the list of, of movies. But man, it, it's just I, I hate the format, and I hate the dialogue, and I hate the fact that everyone has quips. Like I can't stand quips. Everyone is trying to be subconsciously funny, 
not all the time, but but so often that it's just these these really punchy one-liners of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, that's that's my dialogue for the movies but oh, right whoa. there yeah I, I just I, something about it is really grating to me like I, I think I've watched DC movies and obviously I think we can all agree that they're they've been for the most part in shittier shape than than MCU movies have yeah, been quality wise but, but they're more they're easier for me to digest for some reason because it's just I, I don't feel like there's a like a dumb quip or punchline happening at the end of a scene or a part of a scene or something like that. I just I can't. Do I just it. I just think that everybody loved Tony Stark so much and rightfully so because I think the first Tony Stark movie that I, I saw movie the first is awesome. Man. Yeah, it was um, great. It was great. And and I think that the character Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Stark is amazing. Yeah, perfect. But casting. I think that everybody they love him so much that then everybody is is, is Tony Stark. Yeah. I mean, the, exactly. the, the little quips he made like, uh, I don't like things handed to me or when the guy was like, that guy right there is playing Gattaca. Like, d- dumb shit like that <laughs> by him. That's all like really funny stuff. But yeah. then everybody just became like, when, when and I love the character Thor and I like the right. movies, but I mean, I mean, those movies just became shit comedies and that's fine because I enjoyed those. But I think that they were going for this tone that every that every movie had to almost kind of match. Yeah, and, and that's it was a, a template. Yeah, in a way. it was a template, and I, and I felt like I've watched uh, a lot of those movies. I watched them all actually, and a lot of them are very similar in tone. Mm-hmm. And it's like listening to an album, like that that's has the same kind a good of comparison. Yeah, yeah, that has the same kind of songs, yep. and they all like a bad album or not a great album. Where you, like I was listening to, I forgot who it was, and it was like. Well, am I still in the first song? And I was like in song six because they all yeah. sound the same. I enjoyed my time listening to that those songs. Like, but it was six songs that sounded almost identical, and I had no idea that I was already halfway down through the album. Yeah, that's how I, I totally, see MCU. Movies. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's it, man. That's my loadout for uh, for this episode. What do you got? All right, man. So um, on the gaming end of the spectrum, we already talked about Black Ops Cold War. Uh, again, I'm going to talk about that later on in the show. So I'm gonna. I'm going to hold back on that stuff. I have been playing uh, Control Ultimate Edition, which was a free uh, PlayStation Plus game, which I was actually kind of glad to see uh, they were able to, 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 to nab that uh, for PS5. Um, play the original Control uh, back when it came out. I think it was 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, play the original. Um, I, I had a really good time with it. I've, I am a huge Remedy fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a big fan of them. Uh, the Max Payne uh, games they made before it became a Rockstar franchise, which please bring back a Max Payne game sometime in this in, in this lifetime. Max Payne um, 3. How about that? Man. I mean, Rockstar did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I just want to see another one. Uh, I, I loved Quantum Break. I know you did too. Um, oh, yeah. People gave that game a lot of shit back in the day when it came out on Xbox One. I thought that was a fantastic game. Um, reminded me a lot of Fringe, if you remember that TV show. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of similarities there. I loved that's it. Two, that's two references to Fringe on today's show. Is it? Yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, uh, Lance Reddick. Yeah, yeah, Lance Reddick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I've always loved loved Remedy. So when this when this, this is the kind of shit you're gonna get from the show, Fringe. You know, oh, all the time. References. Fringe was so good. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyway. Control, uh, you know, my biggest beef with it when it came out was I thought that the lore and the world building was absolutely incredible. It's some of the best lore I've seen put together. Um, some of the best sci-fi, mm-hmm. some of the best mystery um, that I think I've seen in a long time. It, it, it It's X-Files, but to uh, the 10th power. Yep. It, it's just really, really good stuff. However, I always felt like the story of Jesse who is the main character in the game, uh, fell a bit flat 
Um, and it kind of diluted and distracted me from what was really great about that world, what was really great about being in the oldest house, which is the location where the game takes place, uh, which is this you know giant labyrinthine federal, uh, I don't know if I said labyrinthine right, but whatever, vocab, uh, this, this giant building uh, that, that is almost living and breathing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the story of that game really kind of fell flat for me. I, I hated the way it ended too. It was abrupt. It was very abrupt, yeah. And so, um, but you know, so I, I really didn't have any intention of getting Ultimate Edition at all until it became free. And I'm like, all right, why not? Right. right. Um, so playing it, um, I have to say, um, I haven't gotten to the end of the DLC yet. I never got to it, you know, when it first came out either. But just playing it and seeing how it runs on, I have a PS5, so does Pablo. Um, playing it on PS5, it was actually a bit underwhelming. Um, I think that. It's really nice to have a 60 frames per second option with this game and with a lot of other games that are kind of getting that upgrade. Uh, it's, it's great, but um, the game still looks kind of last gen to me. It doesn't look like they did as, as thorough of a job of upgrading it and, and, and I guess setting things to ultra, if you will. Um, it doesn't even have HDR, which I think is a really, really huge oversight, which, um, you know, Remedy is, is pretty good at, at creating, and they did a great job in this game too, of a really engaging, really immersive uh, atm atmosphere and world, and to, to not really be able to have the bells and whistles that come with uh, next-gen hardware or really utilize in full, right. uh, to me, was a really huge disappointment. Um, still got sucked into the game. Uh, so, let me ask you a question, because oh yeah. What's up? Um, I, did, I, I have downloaded I, I want to play it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I played a little bit, actually, in the beginning, and I feel like the 60 frames kind of accentuates the fact that when she's not in combat, she moves horribly. Yeah, yeah, almost like she wants to be in combat. Like she's like, so as one of the things about the game, and, and when I played it on Xbox uh, in 2019, was that when action got heavy, mm -hmm. the frames got really sluggish. Frames um, is heavy. Yeah, frames is heavy. <laughs> so did you? Uh, is that a is that fixed? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, oh it's, wow. It's really really good now. Yeah, I remember I remember that, and also like. When you were like, when you pause the game and come back into the game, it, the game just just Lost has explosive diarrhea on the yeah. screen for like a second, and then everything <laughs> pops back in. Um, yeah, mushroom cloud and all, guys. Um, <laughs> so we talk about poop a lot, by the way. Yeah, it, it's it's totally different now. It is improved, um, so the experience is a lot smoother. Um, it's it's. I wish I had almost waited to play it. Now, obviously, I wouldn't have known to you know this was going to be a thing, yeah. but. Um, it is the it is definitely the definitive way to play it, but uh, some of the blemishes about the way the game was initially made are still there, and uh, I wouldn't expect it to take full advantage of, of uh, next gen hardware. But hey, it was free, so I played it. Yeah. Um, uh, talked about Black Ops already. Um, outside of games, um, I've been watching, or I, I started getting into the Mandalorian. Uh, I, I've Granted, I don't watch a lot of TV uh, or movies, really. Um, I'm more of just a gamer and uh, a reader more than anything else. So uh, not not books, but just more like articles and stuff like that. Um, so every once in a while, I'll get the itch to kind of get caught up on things. And, and The Mandalorian was one that I've always wanted to, to check out. Um, so I, I, I got myself a little Disney Plus action and got in there. And, and, and I've gotten about only about four episodes into the first season. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to continue to watch through the rest of that. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm almost glad that I waited because I didn't want to watch it at like the peak Baby Yoda bullshit. Yeah. I didn't really care for that. Um, and uh, now that everyone knows what what he actually looks like and have realized that it is, it, it, he still looks like the like himself. I can't remember his name now. What's his name? Um, he's, he's doing a, the Last of Us too. Uh, Last of Us says. Oh, Pedro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pascal. 
Pascal. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to wait until the dust settled on that. Um, unfortunately, uh, while I decided to watch it, my timing was horrendous because that's when uh, homegirl Gina Carano decided to uh, get herself fired by um, Sorry, just, popping off. just repeated dumb shit that she has, has tweeted about. Um, now, we're not going to get super political on this show, I don't think. I mean, there's probably going to be some bleed through. Uh, I know, mean, it's, it's just part of... I, I'll never, I don't think we'll ever bring like po- like like. By the way, let's talk about this uh, policy that just got into. No, but I think it's, it's yeah. something is super egregious and super like over the top, and it affects us in any way, shape, or form, whether it be any kind of video game, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. really stuff, but yeah. or, or stuff like this, stuff that we like to watch and is being kind of tainted by actions of people of more moronic people. Yeah, I think we'll always <laughs> have to talk about shit like that. Yeah, so it, it definitely put a little bit of a of a of a stench. I will say, experience. I will say with Mandalorian, I thoroughly thought that the first season for me was at times over underwhelming. Um, specifically, episode four or five almost broke me. Um, <laughs> but I would have to, I do say it's one of the things that I'm glad that I stuck with because season two is the best content Star Wars has put out since That's what I've heard. Uh, Return of the Jedi. That's what I've heard. Uh, so yeah, and I I I have a love hate relationship with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I. I mean, it, it's it's hokey to me, and I think it's okay that it's hokey. Yeah, space um, but I, I I like the Mandalorian because it, it didn't start off so hokey and so fan servicey. Uh, it definitely has some callbacks and some you know little things that you can spot. Any Star Wars fan would probably point out a million Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I wanted something that felt a little bit more grounded. Um, but still had the Star Wars charm, and I think that it's been hitting that for me uh, pretty yeah. well. And I think you'll find with season two, it, it, there is fan service stuff throughout, but not just in season two, but season one as well, but I think that they do it in such a way where you're an outsider yeah. to the Star Wars. You don't know what's happening, so things start showing up, right. things happen, and you're like, okay, like as, as the Mandalorian, that character, he doesn't know what the fuck happened. He doesn't know what anything is. So right. it, it does that thing where it gives you an outsider perspective yeah. in the world of Star Wars, but it also feels like Star Wars. So right. I, that's why I, I, season two is like so fucking phenomenal in that way. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And the last thing in my loadout is, uh, man, I'm a, I'm I'm 36 whole entire years Just old. Had I, I had a birth a birthday, a day of birth uh, last week. Yep. Uh, so man, I'm I'm feeling the age. I'm feeling the uh, the creaks and the cracks and crevices. Ah, that didn't sound right. The creaks at and all. the cracks and the crevices. We're gonna edit that. No, we're not. Um, no. Uh, but yeah, I turned 36. Um, over, I'm, I'm part of the three six mafia, if you will. Um, uh, I gotta go. Academy Award winners. Uh, oh, that's right. Academy yeah. Award winners, three six mafia. Yes. Uh, no. So yeah, I I, uh, I turned a year older. Um, it was a good time. Um, you know, got a chance to hang. I have a lot of family out here with me, so I hung out with my mom. I did, you know, met with her for dinner. My dad actually flew in town uh, for the week, and so we did a lot of drugs and a lot of drive bys, as you would expect. Yeah, 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 um, got it. Some business you guys had to settle. Uh, none of that happened at all, whatsoever. But you know, we had a good time. It was cool to have uh, pops in town to uh, chill with me for a while. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I uh, definitely, um, I definitely feel old. I think this is the first year, Pablo, where I have felt like genuinely old. Yeah, um, it's not just that. Oh, you're feeling old yet? Thing like people always ask you. Like I, I definitely feel it now. So every time you sit down, do you go? <coughs> I do that when I get in and out of the car. I'm, like, <laughs> I, I am Grunt McGee, bro. Like people, I, I actually, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, when I when I left uh, Target today, I had to go to the store. 
um, to get something. And uh, I I did one of my whales uh, getting in. And there was a girl getting out of the car next to me, and she actually like gave me like the what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you like yep? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's 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 almost like the sound I make when I shark. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happens to you often enough that you have a go-to sound for that. It definitely didn't happen on Tuesday. That doesn't happen at all. I'm 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 well put together, guys. Uh, but that was our loadouts. Um, so, Pablo, we, we, we're we going to have to open up a can of juice. Ooh. And it's going to be nasty. It's going to be nasty. Uh, it is time for the segment we call Bode Juice. So, uh, as we said earlier, this is going to be the segment where we go over something uh, related to the industry that we think just just sucked it up. And uh, in, in, in not in a good way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Pablo, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Tell us what your booty juice of this episode is. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go a little broad and just say video game fans, but I, I think <laughs> um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of pare it down to something a little more specific, and let's talk about Nintendo mm. fans. Mm. Now, I'm a Nintendo fan myself, mm. so... I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> they're... Uh, Again, and I've mentioned this before uh, in today's episode, where I find myself uh, making excuses for Nintendo. Um, but there's a certain there's a certain sect of fans that are absolutely horrible. And and, 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 and the yeah, horrible. <laughs> and it's and it's the it's the fan base that is never. Ever satisfied with anything Nintendo does? Mm-hmm. Nintendo comes out and, and says, "Hey guys, we're going to talk about games that are going to come out in the first half of of 2021, regardless of what that direct showed, because it did show games that are coming out in August, even show games that are coming yeah. out in 2022. Uh, you didn't know that going in, okay? Right. So you you sit down and before the, the show starts, speculation. They're going to show. Breath of the Wild 2. They're going to show the 35th anniversary of, of Zelda with this, 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 this game. Things that maybe came from rumors, but at the end of the day, just made up shit that you made up yourself because these are the things that you want to Exactly, happen. right. So, boom. They come up. Uh, they tell you, hey, we're not going to talk about Breath of the Wild right now. We're going to talk about it later on this year. Let's talk about Skyward Sword. Okay. Immediately, when that was said and done, all these fans completely started talking. All this, hey, Nintendo baited us along. Huh? Come on. How did they bait you along when they told you exactly what they were going to do? Yeah. Regardless if they ended up not doing just that, they never told you, by the way, uh, there's a little game out there that's wild and breathy. <laughs> and, 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 a matter of fact, and I'll bring this up, uh, Jim Ryan, CEO of Sony... Uh, was at a GQ interview and talked about Horizon Forbidden West coming out uh, this year. Uh, uh, or that he's confident that it'll come out this year. Nowhere to be found in the state of play. That right. would con- that would almost seem to me like, hey, maybe he's hinting at something. People would say, hey, they kind of baited us along with Horizon Zero West. Right. I would understand that even though I don't agree, I would understand that more than Nintendo saying what they're going to do. They do it, and then you and then even in the direct, they go, by the way, I know the game you want to talk about. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean, <laughs> bro? It's it's absolutely ridiculous to me because you can you got people from saying that uh, Skyward Sword is good. Yeah. To you ruined my childhood. To Nintendo is not doing anything 
uh, for their fans to Breath of the Wild is overrated anyway to nobody wants Breath of the Wild 2 to Breath of the Wild 2 is canceled to Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out uh, is never coming out to people making excuses for them like Breath of the Wild 2 is mm-hmm. coming out this year guys well, yeah we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into that uh, so for me I, I think um, Twitter is a weird place because the issue here with, with fans uh, is that they've been so horrible and I've talked to you talked to you about this, is that they've created mm-hmm. an adversarial relationship with video game pundits, uh, people who do this for a living. And it doesn't matter. It, it, they're almost obligated, because that's what they want to do, to take the opposite side of what these fans say. Right. So when somebody goes, yeah, they baited us along, they're, they, they're terrible for this, you got people saying, oh, I like that, that, that mm-hmm. Nintendo Direct. No, you didn't. There was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing in that Direct that was specifically great. It was long. Exactly. They showed too much stuff and nothing of what people really wanted to see. Right. Although people will tell you that, again, Skyward Sword is good. It's not. Uh, Mario, house, yeah. Mario Golf is really exciting. I'm happy for that. But that's, okay. not, a, that's not a game that you, that, that you cap off a direct with. Not at all. Yeah. And Splatoon, and Splatoon 3 is super exciting for that. But that's not a, it's not coming out this year. The one more thing is another thing. People are like, oh, maybe they could have used Breath of the Wild as the one more thing. It's like, no. Th- doesn't matter. They could have done whatever they wanted there. Yeah. And they did that because that's what the game that they, they wanted to showcase. Right. So for me, it's just these fans. And I say these fans knowing full well, not every Nintendo fan is like this. But enough exists where they really make loving Nintendo hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, or or even they even make loving a Nintendo easy because it's like you got the haters right that's true that are like the way around yeah yeah like oh man uh, there's a a guy who responded to a thing that I don't even know how he found my tweet whatever saying that Breath of the Wild did nothing for video games or Breath of the Wild did nothing for the Zelda franchise that is the worst (laughs) uh, Zelda game out of all things like this and it's very upsetting and it's straight up booty juice Mm. because it's really hard to, 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 to be on these social medias and have any kind of realistic thought. Yeah, like a regular yeah. ass conversation about Nintendo. Because it, it all becomes hyper, hyperbole. It all exactly. becomes the greatest of all time, the worst, worst of all time. Yeah. It all becomes complete shit, complete this. You ruined my childhood. Uh, you've, 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 uh, you've completely found something new that nobody's ever done before. Right. Like, there just There's no in-between anymore. And it really is affecting the way people cover games because it's, it's hard for me... And it's hard for anybody who, uh, specifically people that cover this for, uh, for a living, that, that they do this, this is their life, their, their light, light, livelihood. Yeah. To sit there and say, I agree with Bong Ripper 69 that, uh, <laughs> that uh, Sky Resort, Sky Resort doesn't look great, right? Yeah. To say, to find, oh, you know, I, I kind of like the fact that they change it to the, which by the way, terrible, analog control. It's yeah. so, and it's just really, really poisoning the well of video game coverage. And in this in this essence, Nintendo coverage because I totally agree. Yeah, you can't go into any. And, and, and unfortunately, being human, having opinions, being opinionated as we are, we see something that totally, totally triggers us. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to stay quiet. Not that we directly respond to everybody, but like within yeah. ourselves, talking to ourselves because it really throws takes us off. Where it's like, I didn't like the direct. I think the direct wasn't good. I don't think it ruined my childhood, and I think that we're <laughs> going to be okay when Breath of the Wild Two comes out. Like all these yeah. things are can all be right, but no nobody wants to give you that. The, the direct can't be bad, but Nintendo will still be good. Right. Breath of the Wild can't be coming out right now, 
but it also can't come out later and be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it, not one thing can be... So, that's where yeah. I'm at right now uh, with Nintendo fans. Uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating to find that... that and, and I would say that I think that it's it's had a negative inf- uh, impact on Nintendo. Yeah. I think it's made it very hard for them to get a very good snapshot or sample size of how people really feel about what they're doing. So I think, you know, look, Nintendo is going to be, and I, I think I might have mentioned it earlier, I don't remember, but they're always going to, you know, operate in a straight line, and there's going to be times when it's going to intersect with something you've always wanted, and there's times when it's going to be completely out of left field and yep. off the wall. But it's it's I would imagine it has to be hard for them to know how do people feel about what we're doing when you have so uh, much of an extreme of opinions um, that are out there? You have people that, that, to your point, think that it's destroying their happiness and ruining their freedom. And then you have people that, well, it's the meaning of life itself. Everything they yeah, do, yeah, just yeah. Can't, they just can't miss. And it, I think it's really made it hard, I would imagine, uh, for them to really know how well that they've, they've done and how well they're kind of hitting it off with people beyond just knowing what they're doing in terms of sales. So that, that, that tells a lot, of course. But, you know, um, knowing how well that they're connecting with people is a different story. And I just, I hate that Nintendo fans, and we'll, we'll probably take a deeper dive into this on another yeah. episode for sure. I think it's a huge topic, and I think you're right. Um, but yeah, it, it is absolutely booty juice, Hershey squirts worthy. And and and, 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 now, and just to cap off real quick, yeah. I, I do think that, like you said, and it's a good point that you bring up. It hurts the company because a lot of times when Sony, Xbox, they do something that people don't like, mm-hmm. they can go ahead and, and, and retroactively go back. Or not retroactively, but sometimes retroactively. Uh, what? Uh, Mass Effect 3. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and make make positive changes. But when, when you go out there and it's like, Skyward Sword looks like the greatest game I've ever seen. To Skyward Sword looks like complete trash. To Skyward Sword uh, is is changed my life. I'm naming my child Skyward Sword. Uh, it's really it's really hard uh, to have oh, a name shit. of Skyward Sword, but it's really hard to uh, for Nintendo to 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 do anything. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. because because you, the feedback is absolute nonsense, poison. It's gibberish. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know. A lot of these companies are left to fend for themselves, and unfortunately, yeah. Nintendo. I love Nintendo, but Nintendo is backwards as shit. And if you leave them up to their own devices, they will give you the <laughs> weirdest shit you've ever seen in your whole life. Yeah, like maybe completely ignore the 35th anniversary of one of their biggest franchises. Yeah, just something light. You know what I'm saying? You know, like it, it, it's Mario, it's Zelda, <laughs> right? And, and, yeah. and there is a possibility. That Nintendo will never utter the words Zelda 35th anniversary. Fucking mm. wild. And they have games ready. Wind Waker, ready to go. She just put it out. Nope. That's true too. You know? Yeah. But anyway, well, we'll see what the rest of the year holds for Zelda. Hopefully they will do uh, right by the anniversary for sure. I have a feeling they will based on some rumors we've heard. But mm-hmm. until then, y'all Nintendo fans need to get it the fuck together. Yeah. All right. My booty juice uh, goes out to uh, the homies at Google. Um, man, Google Stadia has has more than earned some butt some butt sauce. And and, and, <laughs> and uh, thanks for the Michael Jackson laugh, by the way. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, Google Stadia. It, for those of you who have been kind of keeping track of this uh, very hilarious tale. Um, Google Stadia has had a pivot of uh, of of their their business plan, so to speak, and and by pivot, it's on life support. Um, so basically, um, you know, they are 
they just got done closing the studios um, that um, they have not even released games with yet. Um, and they are now focusing on really just distributing the streaming technology that they've created. Um, and basically that is a very elaborate way of saying, we ain't shit. Uh, we're going out of business. We're going to be the next Google product in the long graveyard of Google products that just didn't pan out. And I think this is one of those times where almost everybody saw it coming. Um, I, I certainly did. Um, I remember, Pablo, when, when, this, when the Stadia was first revealed, it was GDC 2019. And uh, the CEO of Google goes by the name of Sundar Pichai, who uh, started off the, the keynote that day, uh, started off with this quote. And if, and if, this, if this doesn't tell you uh, that Google wasn't doing the right thing, I don't know what will. Uh, he, he said, quote, I suppose I should start with a confession. I'm actually not a big gamer. <laughs> so, it, you know, nothing instills confidence in, in, a, in a would-be consumer than hearing that Google is breaking into gaming and their own CEO doesn't know shit about game. I think he said he played FIFA, uh, which, okay, that's, that's cute. Um, but that, that, to me, was really just a telltale sign that, that Stadia was, um, was not really going to have a lot of legs. And I, and I think that, really, for me... Um, I think my my biggest frustration after you know and news has kind of trickled out since the announcement about the, the closing of their studios and, and their their change of plans. Um, one of one of which is that and I don't know if you caught this, you might have, but they actually walked away from from exclusive game arrangements with Hideo Kojima <laughs> and Yu Suzuki, and Yu Suzuki is uh, behind the Shenmue series. Yeah, kind of a big deal, a little bit of a big deal. You know, um, and and Google was like, nah, well, no, we're good, we're good, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna see if people, you know, get some Stadia action because we have Cyberpunk coming out on it, and that that'll be enough. I would have lost my shit if it was a, a Hideo Kojima exclusive game for Stadia. Well, yeah, in yeah. a bad way, because well, he was the rumor was that it was the horror game that he was working on that he he tweeted, um, I think it was they said it was like May of last year. He tweeted that uh, a project that he had been working on. Uh, didn't get off the ground or something to that effect, uh, and it was supposed to be an episodic horror game. Uh, I don't know if it was going to be like PT esque or anything like that, okay. but it was supposed to be something horror game related that he was going to offer up to Google for an exclusive okay, deal. Okay, okay, okay. And that. Google was like, "Who is a Hideo Koji?" Oh, no, nah, we're good. We're good. We don't like sushi. That doesn't even rhyme with Call of Duty. So we'll we'll no. We're, we're <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, you can tell that they just didn't have their bearings when you're walking away from opportunities like that to work with uh, a literal legend of of the industry uh, in Kojima and Yu Suzuki, um, and and just you know the way that they've limped out of the gate with the streaming service. Uh, it, it really shows that it, it shows two things. It shows that first of all. If you're going to break into the gaming space, you need to know what the fuck you're doing. And that goes for Google. That goes for Amazon. I know they're doing uh, streaming services with, uh, I think it's called Luna. Yeah. Uh, very similar model to, to the Stadia uh, platform. And I'm sure they're probably shitting bricks right now. Or happy. Who knows? Because now they have the kind of uh, space they want to, to do what they want to do. Who knows? But And, and um, Amazon at least has that game uh, very, you know, very... Uh, 
how do you call it, uh, uncontroversially named A New World, where uh, you, you're going to go in and get and kill some indigenous people. But they had that MMO, right? Yeah, uh, new, I uh, new think world. so, yeah. yeah. Um, they just got pushed back, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, Google, just just stop. Just just really stop. And, and anybody else, whether it's Google, Amazon, KFC, oh. like, can y'all just not, can you, can you at I, least come in here with... with with a strategy, with something that makes sense, I think it'll it'll just be hard for any company to come into the video game space, even in in this form, to succeed because you have Xbox already covering that market. Yeah, and man. and their and their shit, you know, their shit does something that uh, is very rare, but also uh, these people should take notes. It works. <laughs> I mean, it's it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So I and, and you know I think the other takeaway that I have is is about streaming gaming. Um, and this might be controversial, it might not. I mean, I, I, I put streaming gaming in the same category as I put VR. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great technology. It's certainly going to create new opportunities for games. Um, I just don't really understand who it's for. I've never really understand, never, never understood who, who or what streaming gaming is for. Unless we're talking about people who don't want to pay for expensive hardware or don't want a, a console in their living room, which I don't see why that's a, a huge deal when it's been so synonymous with gaming over over the years. Creating problems that don't exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember in the same the, the same GDC event, uh, there was a moment where they were showing off or flaunting, really, the fact that they were going from playing, I think it was Assassin's Creed they were, they were demonstrating. Um, they went from like a tablet to a phone to a TV or something like that, like rapid fire. And I thought to myself, who the fuck is going to have a scenario like that in, in real life where I need to get on my tablet now? Like, no, no one's going to do that. Like, it, it's nice to have the convenience of not, again, having to worry about a new graphics card or something like that if you don't want to get into the, the trenches of that stuff. But I don't get streaming gaming as a whole. I think it is going to be a part of the future for sure. I just think that it needs to be done right and it needs to make sense within the, the, the day-to-day lives of people. Uh, of, of what we really want and what we really don't care about. Like, people are fine with having a console. People are fine with their PCs. Uh, people are fine with, with digital versions of their games, hard copies of their games. Like, we're good. Like, we don't need yeah, this right I, now. I have, two, I, have two mind, I have two thoughts about that. One, I think if, if for example, Xbox or, or Xbox or PlayStation 5 offered up a $50 or $100 USB that you could actually play all the Game Pass games on there without... Uh, investing at a five hundred dollar console, yeah, I think that would work for people who don't want to spend that money, right? Yeah, okay, that that's fine. My second thought, though, is a little bit more nefarious in that these companies want this to work because then they don't want to spend the money on the hardware costs. Mm-hmm. So they are pushing this and I, 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 creating solutions to problems that don't exist by simply saying, "Oh, this is this is the future. This is the future. Yeah. This is the future." Why? Because instead of creating that big box that cost them uh, $400 and they're making uh, uh, barely a $20 profit on, now mm-hmm. they're they're making this little thing. They're yeah. investing their money in, in the software and then they don't have, you know, their their uh, their revenue Exactly is is up, and so I feel like it's kind of more or less companies wanting this to be a thing, because it'll be more cost effective for them in the future. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I agree. I don't buy. I don't buy that at all. I, I think streaming game is 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 a cool thing to have, mm-hmm. and I think Xbox is going about it the right way, where they talk about it, but they don't. They're not pushing it too they're, much. Yeah, they're not, not leaning anyway. into it all yeah. the way. Yeah. So it's not their bread and butter. It's just a nice option to have. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. So yeah. That was our first ever Booty Juice winners, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. If you did not, 
Yep. Give a fuck. We will be sending a bottle of booty juice to each of these winners. Uh, so. Fresh squeeze, baby, baby. <laughs> so uh, looking your. Uh, I don't know why I went Biggie Smalls for no reason like yeah, that. Yeah, why not? Uh, but it is time to go ahead and jump into our big checkpoint chat segment of the show, and we have a lot to unpack in this one, guys. We we, we decided to go big, and uh, you know we're a little late. Most people by now have already kind of gone through uh, their their top ten releases of 2020, but um, in, in in our usual fashion, we don't really care. And uh, we thought it would be good to just kind of tell you guys what, what the 10 games were that, that uh, hit with us the most last year. Talk a little bit as we go along about why some of those games are on the list and, and what we like about maybe the genre that they're in or something like that. Uh, just to tell you a little bit more about our, our tastes and preferences mm-hmm. in gaming. So we are going to go through our top 10 releases of last year. And we're also going to do something a little uh, extra special. We're going to do another top 10. I know. Uh, and it's going to be our predicted... Top 10 releases of 2021. Now, you don't see this happen very often, uh, but we decided that we wanted to uh, take a stab at what we think will make it on our top 10 list this by the end of this year. Uh, so we had to kind of put our thinking hats on and think about the statuses of all the big games that are slated to come out this year. Uh, hopefully, if they come out this year, yep. we have some some thoughts about that. Uh, but we'll get into that, and we'll actually talk a little bit more about the the game that we're creating for ourselves uh, with that top 10 uh, predicted list mm-hmm. of 2021. But first, Pablo, we need to get into our top 10 games of, of, of yesteryear, of last year. Yes, sir. Um and I think the best place to start is probably with our, our honorable mentions. Yeah. So let's talk about some games that didn't quite make the cut, but we're still uh, kind of dope. So I think with the list, we're going to go round robin. I'll go one, you go one. For the honorable mentions, I'm just going to go let's ahead just, and tell yeah, you. Let's just yeah. rattle them off. Yeah. So uh, my honorable mentions for 2020, the year that gave us uh, COVID-19, and mm. also, Delicious. Uh, uh, you know, pretty much made me an anxiety-ridden fool. Uh, I played a lot of video games, and so this was kind of hard for me this year to kind of put all those things, whether putting the whole, I I enjoyed this because I was home all the time, and it hit different because of how I was feeling emotionally, Uh, Hello Animal Crossing New Horizons, which actually made Mm -hmm. uh, my honorable mentions. So Animal Crossing New Horizons made my uh, honorable mentions uh, for all those reasons uh, that I said. It's a game that I really enjoyed for the time and then fell off of it pretty quickly. I'm going to go through these really quickly because I don't don't think that, you know, we can spend too much time. Um, Wasteland 3 is a game that I was for sure was going to make my top 10 list uh, because it was a game that I played quite often uh, when it came out in August and I was really into it. I just I just made it to a point in that game where I was really not having any fun. Uh, technically, the game was kind of messy. Uh, when it got to really the, these points in the game where there was a lot of people on screen, the game uh, dipped into the tens maybe in frame rate at times. And being that it's not a graphically... Uh, it's not a game that really should be killing the system. It really was at, yeah. at certain times. So yeah. uh, I really, really, really enjoyed my time with it. And I flirted with it being at number 10, but that that's where it made it. Um, Astro's Playroom is a game that I... Astro. It's a game that I didn't know I was going to... I mean, I shit on the game before I came out. I mean, because it, it's easy to do. It's a packing game, and it's uh, it's based on a character from a VR game that I, I'd never played. Uh, and it didn't really mean anything to me. And then I played the game, and it, it kind of outdid Nintendo in a lot of ways. Uh, and it gave me yeah. the, the nostalgia for PlayStation that I didn't even know that I had. Um, and it had that one game about GP, that one song about GPU that was a banger. <laughs> I slapped. That was, um, that was, it was great. Yeah. 
Mafia Definitive Edition is a game that almost made my top 10 as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a remake of Mafia, uh, which is a very underrated game to begin with uh, when it first came out. It came out on Xbox. I played it on the regular Xbox. Uh, and I, I, I enjoyed my time. I was surprised as to how many little people actually played it. Uh, and then Mafia 2 being the game that kind of uh, was the people see as the better game. I still think that's true. I think Mafia 2 is the better game. However, this remake is absolutely phenomenal they didn't try to do too much they stayed faithful to the game but also up to the old game but also they didn't try to implement so many open world stuff that they have that yeah games so it didn't bog it down with that nonsense it was a linear open world game right didn't have side missions uh it was just going from point a to point b telling you a story in an open world they had free roam option what they showed off the whole city sure but this game was a very like 20 hour experience yeah yeah very good story voice acting has been redone or uh had been redone really good time i really enjoyed my my time with it and then lastly this game is going to shock a lot of people because this game is on people's top 10 list period uh and, and winners for many uh it's hades um look uh, I appreciate Hades for everything that it is, except everything that it is is everything that I'm not, and that I don't like these kind of games. I don't yeah. like roguelikes too much, and I was all about it when it first came out because it really was well uh, voice acted. Uh, it was interesting, uh, you know. It portrayed all the gods as hornies, and you know, mm. gods are horny people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had just really cool moments, um, and, and there was just really moments of elation when I where I, I beat the, this boss in, in, in a run that was really 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 hard to beat but i had the right drops and i did everything great and then it became annoying it was like all right then i have this drop and it didn't work out it didn't work out and then my hate for roguelikes really started shining through to a point where i dropped it i mentioned it here because i don't want to be i don't want to be killed by the masses all right in terms of video game uh, but i would even say that this is uh honorable mention uh it's like it barely made my honorable mentions. I just want to be honest with you guys. Zim. <laughs> but um, no, I get it. <laughs> that's it. Th- those are my uh, honorable mentions. Marco, what do you got? Yeah, ours aren't super different, actually. Um, I-, I will uh, kind of jump into Mafia and Astro real quick because those are on my uh, honorable mention list as well. Um, Mafia, man, I think I, that that whole series is underrated. Um, yeah, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Now they've had some misses. I, I didn't love three. Uh, three very much. I think it, and, and also it came out with a. a a load of technical problems as well. Oh, yeah. um, man, it was pretty awful. But um, the series overall has always been a really good one for me. I, I love that that Italian mob, Godfather, you know. I'm a sucker for that. Oh, man, it, it's just, uh, give me all of it. Um, so this was right up my alley, um, especially, you know, when it came out, uh, I think it was like 20 bucks cheaper than normal. Uh-huh. It's like 40 bucks. Yeah, so I'm 40 like, bucks. yeah, this is no reason why I shouldn't play this. Uh, so Pablo actually recommended it to me. He he gave it some time, you know, to see how it was it was hitting with him, and he was like, "Yeah, you need to go ahead and get this game." And yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't one of those uh, Star Starlink Battle for Atlas moments. It actually turned out to be a good. Recommendation. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mention that a lot on this I, show. You guys got to understand. They don't I, have to. I'm understand. very nostalgic about Star don't Fox. Don't make me team kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I never gritted my teeth and talked to him like that before. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going because this is this is some bullshit. He's gonna try to talk his way out of that. Astros Playroom. I I also man that game was was fighting for that ten spot um, for me and and for good reason. I think it, it was a real pleasant surprise of a video game. It it did so many things that I wasn't expecting it to do. On top of just being a great proof of concept for the DualSense controller um, and 3D audio, I think it was just 
like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying working through this and, and, and yeah. kind of reliving some some PlayStation, you know, history as I'm going along. And I've 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 been a PlayStation guy for pretty much since day one. Um, I, I remember being in, in Sound Advice. If, if you, those of you old heads uh, out there remember that store. Um, they had a Jeez. kiosk with a PlayStation in there, and it was just some terrible like shooting game. Uh, but I, I fell in love from that moment on, and um, you know, ever since then, you know, coming coming into you know, uh, you know, all the years of time I've played games, um, I've I've built up that bank of, of nostalgia and memories. And Astro's Playroom was just a really really charming trip down memory lane that I loved. Um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, this game, you know, was kind of <laughs> kind of sent out to die almost uh, by by Ubisoft. I mean, it just kind of went uh, completely under the radar. It was kind of buried in the middle of their Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion releases. It really didn't get a whole lot of love, and people didn't like the name of the game either, which is it is admittedly pretty awful. But um, I just think that it, it, it and plus the fact that it, it borrows so much from Breath of the Wild, it is a People have called it a Breath of the Wild-like, uh, and it is kind of apropos, but um, I, I, you know, in playing it, I have to say it was a really, really good time. I, I didn't get a chance to get very far in it because I was trying to beat other games in time for uh, this show, but um, at the time that I did spend with it, I was really, really surprised with the polish it has, with the fact that it's just a different-ass game from Ubisoft. Um, I'm so sick of their their other franchises at this I'm point. I'm so sick. Oh, sorry. Okay, he held his hand over his ear when he did that. Like he was actually in, in the booth. This whole grain fool. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Phoenix Rising to me was a really, really nice departure uh, from the, the usual Ubisoft, you know, goop that they put out. And I, I'm, I'm sad that it won't probably get a sequel. Um, but man, it was a really good time for the few hours that I got a chance to spend with it. And lastly, on my honorable mentions, Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two. Um, this wasn't, you know, a, a revolutionary remake by any stretch of the imagination. It was really just a no matter a, what they tell you. Listen, you know, Pablo has his 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 issues with the game just being too okay, fine of a game, and I I do agree with that. I think it is a, kind of an okay, fine type of game. Um, but it was really nice, you know, considering that it's been so long since I've played Tony Hawk, especially a good Tony Hawk. Yeah. Uh, that you know, I got a chance to go back and, and relive some of my uh, favorite, you know, maps and, and um, you know the muscle memory was was a was a fun one to kind of get back and and uh, I remembered some of the tricks, uh, the, the the button combos for the tricks. So it was just a really cool again another trip down memory lane uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, it just wasn't doing enough that I think was. Um, really all that special outside of just being a prettier looking version of, of two very good games from, from the past. I, so. I relive my Rooms to Go memories with this game. Rooms to Go? Yeah, I used to go to Rooms to Go because my mom used to always go to Rooms to Go and buy stuff. And they had the demos uh, for like the PlayStation and you would sit down in Rooms to Go you could play video games on Rooms to Go. And they always had the Tony Hawk uh, they had Crash Bandicoot, and they had the oh, Tony yeah. Hawk uh, demo, and I was like, I remember just sitting in the kids section and just playing the shit out of this. Like my mom literally had to drag me out. Um, look, you ready for the top ten lists? I think we're good. Yeah, I just I, now I'm realizing we have to like always shout out a different store with every game we talk about now. Oh, so when I played uh, my top ten game at Circle K, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, okay. at yeah. Sears. <laughs> um, so uh, to kind of bounce off. Uh, what you were saying with Immortals because number 10 for me is Immortals Phoenix Rising yeah um, it, it's funny because they had a uh, Ubisoft had a major release uh, with Assassin's Creed 
of Valhalla this year. A game that I I I I, I liked is a I liked a lot at first, and then it did things that really uh, pushed me away. And then after that, it just became kind of like a stale, uh, almost like too familiar of a, a of a game. It's funny. I know we're talking about Mortal Phoenix Rising, but to touch mm-hmm. on that a little bit, the, the, there is there is a, a there is a portion of, of Assassin's Creed games that are a certain kind of way, right? Exactly. Ending with probably Unity. Mm-hmm. And then there's another kind of game that is more like the Odyssey, uh, more like Origins, that kind. Yeah, it's this is only yeah. the third game in that kind of, and it's already stale as hell for me. I, mm-hmm. I, I think there's too much going on. There's too many things. Immortal Phoenix Rising takes all the good stuff from all those games and boils it down to a much simpler package. Oh yeah, and, and I love it is, it for that. and it is a because I know people hate the Ubisoft design of. I don't specifically hate it. I think it's really good because it works. Like it even worked in um, what's that driving game? Oh no, it's not uh, the club. Yeah, no, not the club. Um, I know it's one. Oh man, it's gonna bother me now. Well, where you had to unlock map stuff by going like it. It's a very. Um, I'm not gonna say it's good, but it's a very smart the crew. The crew. It's a yeah. very smart design because they you could use it in even uh, what's that one game? Uh, Far Cry, right? Yes. They had all those same designs. I think if done right, those games could be good because Far Cry Three was really good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that Phoenix Rising goes into a place where it goes back to those things. It it, it doesn't even have a lot of those same kind of. It has them, but not a lot of them. And it's a really, really fun game to play. I think the combat is great. I yep. think the story is fine. I think that it's a little too cute with the writing. Yeah. Um, it could get a little annoying. Yeah. However, I almost appreciate for the attempt. Uh, there's some there's some dark humor in that game. Well, you're like it's got some moments. Well, you're like, like oh, oh you went you went to places I didn't think. Uh, you yeah. Did. And then obviously just the, the 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 character design, like the fact yeah. that you can go and change your character anytime you want, stuff like that. Stuff that, that the games don't do anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. But um, it's really good. It's really solid. I I really it, it's a game that uh, it's on my backlog. I played I think almost twenty hours of it, uh, and I always still download it into my system. I always take a second look. I even load it up and I'm like, yeah, I'm I do a, the same thing. Actually, I'm in a place <laughs> right now funny. in the game where it's, uh, I'm finding this uh, this boss is a little hard, so my muscle memory is a little uh, out of it. So every time I go in, I'm like, ah, I'll do this later. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to go back to it because it's such an easy game to play, and yeah. that's another thing. It's so easy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, that's the number ten. Uh, Mortal Phoenix Rising for me. What do you got at number ten? Oh man, um, you know. In preparation for my number 10, I was going to sing uh, the Soul Glow song, but I didn't. <laughs> number one, I can't hit that falsetto. Number two, I just bought this mic, and I don't want it to, to break no, right, because right. of me hitting that note. And I probably have to twist my nipple to hit that pitch. <laughs> <on the right. laughs> but uh, speaking of souls, um, I have Demon Souls as my number 10. Um, now, look, I, I just as some background, I'm not I'm not a Soulsborne guy. I'm not a Soulsborne guy at all. Um I have a healthy respect for the games. I've played many of them. I have never beat any of them. Uh, and the reason why is because I'm not really, and this is going to sound, you know, whatever to, to some of you guys, but I don't really play games for a challenge. I play games for a story. I play games for cool moments, um, for, for fun or memorable experiences. I'm not really looking to have my skills put to the test, so to speak. Um, especially with my schedule, I'm, I'm a parent, I work very hard at my job, I don't have 
Um, yeah, I do have time to play games for sure. That's why we're doing this show, of course, right? But like, I the time that I spend, I want to make progress. I don't want to keep starting over and starting over and starting over. So I, I don't really gravitate towards these types of games too often. Um, and the other reason why is because I'm not one of those people that get that rush when they finally beat a boss after dying 68 times. I'm a win-loss person mentally. So if I die because of a boss 68 times and I finally beat it once, in my brain, I'm 1 in 68. I'm not leaving that boss fight excited. I'm not eager to go to the next boss. I'm just feeling like, oh, I got to do this all over again. So I usually don't get very far. But having said that, um, Demon Souls was a and is a game that I continue to come back to. Um, number one, because it, it is a fantastic looking game. Uh, I know, you know, graphics might not be the end all be all, but it is a, it, it really does look, look like a next, uh, next gen game, in my opinion. It has that, that feel to it where it feels like, okay, this is different. This is not something that they could have really pulled off very, very well on PS4. Uh, so it does feel like it has that leap. Um, I love the atmosphere of the game. I love the 3D audio usage. Um, the, the way that it feels to, to navigate through the world feels very treacherous. It feels very good. And it is a little bit easier enough for me so that I can, I can wrap my head around it and not just be immediately frustrated. Now, that's not to say I got very far in the game, but when I have made progress, I have enjoyed that progress. And I think that has stuck out to me as being a really cool um, experience uh, towards the end of the year when I got my PS5. So although it's not a game that I ever really intend to beat, and I, and frankly, I don't intend to play any more of these games after this, I think I've, I've realized I can't do this. Um, I do want to end um, my, my Soulsborne experiment with giving some flowers to this game that, that kind of started it all, or really uh, actually did start it all yeah. uh, for this for this genre. So Demon Souls is my number 10. Yeah, I mean, that, that got, that's a lot to say about the game, the fact that you're not a Demon Souls guy that makes your list. I mean, it, it, it's... I, I, it's on my list, so I'll I'll talk about it more when I get there. Yeah. But um, I think the reason I like it, and I'll give you that reason a little later, uh, is definitely a me reason. Uh, mm-hmm. I also don't like super challenging games. I'll always play a game on medium, a difficulty, uh, and I'm not ashamed to go to easy, baby. Not ashamed <laughs> to go to easy. Uh, but um, you know, I, and we'll get into that later. So yeah. my number nine. Now this is the game that I, again I. I, this was a weird year because I'm a guy that I like to put games on my list that I finished. Well, at the very least, um, gave it my all, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like, for example, I think I put uh, Dark Souls 3 on my list one year. I didn't beat it that year, uh, but I gave it 60 hours of my time, and yeah. I loved that game. And so, eventually, I did beat it. But I, um, so with Yakuza, which is my number, Yakuza Like a Dragon, my number nine Like game. a dragon. I always <laughs> wanted to do that. I'm sorry. It's just been, it's been a thing for a while. <laughs> I, it's a game that I, that I, that I've, that I've played a lot of. Um, I'm almost, uh, probably a couple chapters away from the end game. Um, here, here, here's why I haven't finished it. Um, and I, I do intend to finish this game. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Um, uh, number one, my friend here, Marco, scared the shit out of me, uh, with the, and, and ending uh, part of the game where it's a, it's a grind fest, and I'm not a fan of the grind fest. Uh, uh, and number two, uh, for me, this is a Yakuza game that has too many lows. Like, for example, uh, Yakuza 6 had lulls in it yeah. where they weren't very interesting, yeah. but it, it always had a payoff. Hmm. Uh, this game has moments, stretches, where they go a little too long, Without that payoff. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, and and I love the character. I love the characters. I think Ichiban th- is so dope. I think what they did with Ichiban is fantastic because you're coming back from uh, from oh, 
Kazuma. K- Kazuma, who is a self-serious Yakuza member Very through and through, yeah. right? Because this Stoic is, is this fuck. is how these guys are. As a matter of fact, it's part of their for lack for, in the Italian world, the umerta, right? Where right. they can't see, they can't be a part of people. They are their own thing, and so Ichiban, there's a just to give you. It did such a good job. It's oh, so good. when he's there. It's New Year's Eve, and he's smiling like a dumbass. And yeah. his boss tells him, "You can't show teeth when you smile. That's not what yakuza do." Yeah. And that's what this guy is. He's just a super silly who play who, who loves Dragon Quest. Yeah, and and is and is a yakuza member through uh, osmosis. Right, it's yeah. through the fact that he just happened to be there and that's the life he lived and it became his life not because he wanted to be not for honor uh just that's that's where his life led him to and he's not that guy it is so good and it makes it so much better when he has these emotional moments these impacts uh uh, emotional impacts and when he gets angry it Mm -hmm. really resonates because like i can feel this guy's anger yeah and i am definitely looking forward to finish this game um this may be a little controversial I don't think the side characters are as good as other games. Why is he like this? Uh, I, I, I mean, listen, be, when you played all the other Yak, like, <laughs> I mean, was there anybody that compared to Majima? Oh, well, no, no. Right, right. But, but Majima was almost like the antagonist. Right, right, right. But, right. but, but with, with, with Six, he was more of a, um, not with Six, with uh, Zero. Almost you know. like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. And so, and then um, in Six, uh, had... Uh, Uta, who um, I don't think I don't know if you ever. Uh, I'm aware. Of yeah. Him, yeah, and 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 his story arc in that game is just an incredible. It is an incredible story arc. Yeah, and, and for me, I, I I like the side characters. I think they're all great. Get a life. <laughs> it's hurt so much throughout the whole game. Yeah, I, I think those guys are great, and maybe I'll fall in love with them a little later. But as it stands right now, pretty deep into the game, I think 11 chapters in, and they still really feel almost like new characters. Like they haven't really given me much to kind of love them right yeah. um and so i don't know if that happens towards the end but all with, with that all that said number nine is yakuza like a dragon for everything that it is and everything that is not and the reason i say this because usually yakuza games for mm. me they rank a little higher on my top 10 list because i i love yakuza i mean yeah. and i know marco loves yakuza uh, as well but Damn. i love all of them yeah. like he, he i don't know why he doesn't like judgment I just don't Ugh. understand it. Judgment. I understand. Damn. I understand the story. I understand. It was it's about insane. Alzheimer's. <laughs> it really was. And Alzheimer's, it, the game. No, like, what are we doing? Listen, and I don't want to tell you that it really was about like, it really was about Alzheimer's. Like, it really was. <laughs> it really is. It's really. It, it's about a. It's about a a, a drug that uh, supposedly cures Alzheimer's, except it doesn't, and the government's trying to cover it up. Oh, interesting. Save um, yourself the money. No, nah, it's a really good game. Anyway. That's my number nine. Yakuza like a dragon. Like right. a dragon. I wanted to do that for so long. I know if, you know, I hope our demographic knows, you know, the Madonnas. You the know Madonnas. what I'm saying? All right. So my number nine, Hades. Oh. I'm going to actually walk myself out of it. Why'd you do that? I didn't have to do that. I didn't, I didn't have to do that at all. And the, the, the fucked up part is I had it on my mind as you were talking through Yakuza. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, let's just do a whole nother take. <laughs> let's <laughs> so restart no, it. Um, my, my number nine is Hades. I, I, um, I'm with Pablo pretty much on everything that he said earlier. Um, I, I, you know, I have a healthy respect for, for Soulsborne games. I have almost none for roguelites. I think those <laughs> games are so fucking stupid fundamentally. Uh, it, it's, it's so gratuitously 
annoyingly challenging uh, for the sake of being challenging in a way that I think Soulsborne games don't have that that type of problem with because you always feel uh, you know not always maybe but you know you feel the the rhyme and reason behind it you can feel that you're in a very challenging difficult place but it doesn't feel like you're literally starting over every single time. It, you're learning something, you're taking something as you go, and you're applying it to your next playthrough. And roguelikes really try to do that, but they do it in a more obvious way that I really fucking hate. And um, and beyond that, I think that you know, a lot of them are just lazily designed. Yeah. Um, they only have to create four or five different areas for you to go to. Uh, or they can do some bullshit procedurally generated, uh, generated version of it that always looks like crap. Um, and, and I really never had any intention, despite loving this developer, Love uh, to ever play Hades at all uh, once I found out what it was going to be. But um, I got a recommendation to try it out because it had what they called, I think, a god mode or something like that, which is kind of like a, not, not super easy, but it, it, it's a little bit more lenient on you just in case you don't want to go through the, the, the literal trials and tribulations of, of starting over all the time. Uh, and plus what I heard about the story really got me interested to see how they were going to uh, turn this genre on its head. And I think they did a really good job of that. Um, the story was very good. I think the gameplay was, for the most part, a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of my podcast game for a while, to be honest. I, I didn't really... I liked the story, but I didn't always like li literally listen to the game because I was listening to a podcast. And I found myself in a nice rhythm with the game when I was playing it that way. Um, so although it's not a game that I think... It, it, I will kind of say I think it's a little gassed. Uh, by, by people, uh, by a lot of outlets that have, have made it their game of the year. I think, I don't see it, um, but I do see a really fun game that had a really unique way of storytelling um, and a great, you know, just a great way about it that felt really accessible uh, and it felt very welcoming to me as somebody that doesn't really play games like this and probably never will again. Um, so my number nine is Hades and... Um, that's the last time you're ever going to hear me talk positively about a roguelike. <laughs> ever. I mean, look, there, there, there are good ways of doing it, and, and they, you know, it made your top ten list, so that you never know. There could be a game that might catch you, and they do a good enough job. Uh, yeah. Maybe per, perhaps a, a death loop, you know? Um, More like death poop. <laughs> uh, number eight for me is Super Mega Baseball 3. Now, hey, now, I like this one. I, I mean, this, this game is 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 for those who don't really know too much about it. It is an arcade style baseball simulation because it isn't completely without a statistical kind of. Uh, it, ha it has stats you, yeah. you go by. Every player has stats. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. Yep. And so it, it really plays out like a almost a simulation, except it has an arcadey feel to it. It's a lot easier than maybe a simulation, even though you can bump up the difficulty so on and so forth. But this game, what it does to me is it brings me back, and I, and I brought this game up in this podcast already, to uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, winning run, a Super Nintendo baseball game that I played so Amazing. much of. Yeah. I mean, Marco knows. I mean, and I think Marco would, 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 would tell you that maybe I, he'd come over to play and he didn't want to play that game, but that's the game that I wanted to play so much. And yeah. it's a game that I, that, that I played with him, so I shared memories with him. It's probably the only game that I can remember playing with my dad on a consistent basis. And so it was really just one of those things where I go back and I think about that when I played it, it definitely feels like that game. And uh, I played so much of it. 
uh, it really just it's just fun and I think we get stuck in these overanalyzing games and, yeah. and their stories and there's yeah. definitely games on our list that, that that really are serious games that really touch us in different ways Marco being a parent me being a basket case uh, these things really just you know they touch you in different ways right but this game is just fun and I think there's something to be said about games where you can just sit there and have a fucking blast because just that, pure fun yeah, yeah I don't think there's enough of that anymore honestly I I, I no. think that a lot of games are trying to do a lot and that's okay because we live in a, we live in a, in a world now where um, people have expectations and, and, and they want longevity in things yep. and so there's a lot of stuff that's put into games that maybe shouldn't be necessary wouldn't be necessary before but they're there now Super Mega Baseball 3 doesn't give a shit about any of that it's trying to be a fun baseball game, and it and it's that it's trying, and it has a lot of cool options. You can create your own team, your own players. You can rename everybody on the squad, give them strengths, give them weaknesses. I created a whole WWE team. I had the Undertaker, I had Edge, I had all of them. I designed my 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 this team. Man does cocaine regularly. <laughs> no one wanted to do that. I designed my team, you know, and, and and I you know and I I I gave Undertaker the the strength. And he was huge, but also he was very fast, sneakily fast, right? Uh, I, I gave all these attributes to players uh, that were wrestlers, and the fact that I can give attributes to these players that resemble their in-ring yeah. capability That's shows the depth yeah. of what that game actually can do for you. So yeah. I, I, I think Super Mega Baseball 3, it could even be higher on my list, but I, these other games I probably just enjoy a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, love, fucking love Super Mega Baseball 3. Even if you're not a huge baseball fan, because yeah. admittedly I'm not, I, I used to be back in the day, but... Mm-hmm. Just, just it, it has a certain way about it that's very accessible. If, if you, even if like the tiniest bit of baseball ex- game experience yeah. has ever entertained you at any point, I think this is worth getting into. And the look is very arcadey. It's not going to look like the most primo, like no, 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 uh, polished thing in the world. It, it's, it's one of, it's, it's one of those hidden gems for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and if you're interested as to how it looks like, just literally think about. Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run, where they didn't have the licenses for actual players, and so Mark McGuire looked like the super uh, yeah. strong guy. That's the kind of design that this game has. So, uh, yeah. majorly recommend this game. What do you got for number eight? All right, it's time. We got to talk about it. It was going to happen at some point, and it's going to start now. My number eight, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, look, there has been plenty of dialogue about all of the fuckery around this game, about this game, all the things that it has done terribly bad, all the things that it still kind of does really well. Um, So I don't want to dwell on it too much, to be honest. I I really just want to speak on my experience with the game. Now, I will say for full disclosure, I stopped probably around, I don't know how far I got specifically, but I want to say maybe about 40% through the game. And the reason why is because the experience that I was having, despite how how busted it was... um, you know, again, on, on playing on PS5, um, but despite how busted of an experience it was, I was having too good of a time with it to want to play it in the condition that it was in, and and kind of still is, uh, as of this recording. Um, yeah. There's a lot of really, really amazing things about this game that you know, understandably have have kind of gone lost in the shuffle with all the negative talk about it. But what is there and what is good about what's there? is really really good um and and you know i'm i'm really really excited to get back into it when the ps5 version or, or really the next gen version um is coming out later this year hopefully um hopefully we'll see yeah. but 
Um, I love cyberpunk. The, the aesthetic of cyberpunk is my favorite aesthetic ever. Um, from watching Blade Runner as as a little one, um, you know that has always been you know please transport me to somewhere like that. Yeah. And so this it's was really me. an opportunity to kind of be um, you know in that type of, of of environment. And even though so much of that game visually is window dressing and there's not very much you can do in the world to interact with or be a part of. What is there just visually just just hits all the right notes for me. So I loved being in that world, despite how broken of a world it actually is. Um, the the RPG mechanics have problems. The the shooting mechanics have problems. Uh, the story um, wasn't what it could have been uh, from what I've played, uh, knowing kind of what was cut from the the initial experience. But what is there, and especially what. Uh, Pavlos told me about the latter portions of the game while being spoiler-free for me. Uh, has me really excited to, to, to see it all the way through. Um, so I have it at number 8 for now, uh, and I can't wait to revisit it again when hopefully the game and CD Projekt Red are in much better shape uh, than where they are right now. Let me get this shit together. I think I'll jump on real quick on, on, on the game, because it makes my list. Uh, but yeah. I think one of the things uh, that hurt the game, besides the fact that, like Marco said, it's busted. It is... I mean, I yeah. I finished that game and it gave me my last farewell where it literally shut off on me. Oh, while it, it was yeah. Well, well, uh, well, the the end part was happening. It was like, like literally like right before the credits rolled. There was oh, a little seed no. and it shut off on me. Um, <laughs> but uh, That's awesome. I, I think the game had a problem with expectations versus reality mm-hmm. in that people thought this was going to be some type of Witcher Three type RPG. In that sure mm. first person, yeah. Besides visually and, 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 and how you played it, they thought it because Witcher three side missions, a lot of them bled into the main mission. Yeah, and, and that yeah. kind of. But this is actually CDPR version of Fallout, mm-hmm. and I don't think people were expecting that. Um, and I think that uh, the issue with the game is how backloaded it is with all the good shit. Because mm. all the stuff up yeah. front is very, it's not special. Just just to say how it is. It's not special. It, it's fair. good. Yeah, it's fair. It's not special. And then the latter part of the game, stuff that is relegated to side missions is, in my opinion, very special. Right. And so it just does things where it's a messy game all the way around. 100%. Even, even when it's fixed, I feel that the way they tell the story... And the way that the side missions are done, it's messy, still. Yeah. Um, but it made my list. It's it's pretty high on my list. But I just wanted to jump on that. You know, now that we were on it. But I'll have some other things to say possibly once we get there. But yeah, for sure. I just wanted to to, to kind of get that out there. Um, number seven for me. Here we go. It's Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Cold War. Mm-hmm. Again, preface. I didn't beat the single player. I don't play zombies. This is solely on the multiplayer part of it and again we've mentioned this I am not a multiplayer guy and this game did enough to make my top 10 list and no less at 7 uh, for everything we, we, we spoke about on top of the show this is just a simplified version of whatever chaotic fucking shit show <laughs> modern warfare is and look yeah. guys if you guys like that awesome great good for you yeah, it's but there's so much happening in that game the, the, the level design is just so many things and I will say and I will say to right now the level design in modern warfare at least when I was playing was bad 
they, they, it was not good. It had weird kind of roundabouts where people had clear shots to spawn points. Uh, and that's not completely fixing Cold War, but it is a lot better than what that was for sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because, I, like I said, I already uh, talked about it on top of the show, but the multiplayer experience has been absolutely fantastic from season one, season two just starting right now and, and, and really still kind of, really still having me by the loins and just kind of just, I, I want to play that game. I want to grind out the, 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 the battle pass. I want to yep. get up the prestige levels. I look through the medals and, and through my, uh, and through my kind of, uh, progress to get the gold skin on, on, on some of my guns i'm literally playing them almost like an rpg where i'm kind of like oh gotta grind this yeah, out actually that's yeah, true. yeah gotta I grind this out yeah. i want to oh how many kills do i need with the okay gotta grind that out bro and, i'm focusing on weapon skins yeah like, yeah that's yeah nuts. And, 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 and it's right and, and and it's a it's a really fun simple experience yeah uh, yeah, we play team deathmatch. We play domination. We we uh, we've dabbled in some other stuff. Yeah. Hardpoint for a little while. Hardpoint yeah. for a little while. Uh, we played the when the tournaments were out with the gun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gun gamer. Yeah, what a great game. I mean, it is on my list. You know, um, which I'll I'll touch on a few things that, that, that make it special to me yeah. later on. But I totally agree with Pablo. I I I'm so surprised at how I've gravitated to this game. It's really hit with me in a way where I'm I'm keeping track of like patch notes and yep. like oh they balance this oh they kind of nerf that a little bit like I don't do that like when Call of Duty make, makes their games they just I just play them for a time I get whatever use I can get out of them and I kind of move on and this game has really made me want to stick around and, and, and see what happens next so yeah I totally agree um, alright my number 7 uh, is Yakuza Like a Dragon um, yeah I, I, I don't have a, a lot to add well, I kind of do. Um, I, I do th- <laughs> well, I, I do think that one of the things that really struck me in a, in a very big way was not just Ichiban as the new protagonist and how great he is, but and I know they didn't really connect with Pablo yet, but the, the supporting cast to me was what really made the game feel special because one of the things that I love but also loathe about the original Yakuza games is that you were stuck with Kazuma Kiryu for better or for worse and he's uh, an amazing uh, iconic character for the franchise for sure but he's also again very stoic very stiff he's he's very uh, I don't want to say traditional or old school but maybe a little bit I guess but um, this not only did you have an amazing protagonist with so much dimension in Ichiban Kasuga but you also had this supporting cast that would be uh, a part of this journey with him um, just about every step of the way. And so it, the, the feeling of never being alone, of always having people in your corner with you, uh, both from a narrative standpoint and from a gameplay standpoint, was a really nice, refreshing change of pace to me. Um, so that you weren't just a lone wolf roaming around uh, a city and you know just getting you know jumped by, by thugs and, and Yakuza members all the time. You had people that were in your corner in more ways than one. Uh, and the time you get to, to really get to know these characters, you can... Uh, you can do these these things where um, I guess there's like a meter that builds up when you do things with a certain uh, character, and when you reach a certain point uh, with that bar, you can go to an actual bar and uh, and drink with that person and learn more about their history, with their background, and some type of conflict that they're in the middle of, and it becomes its own side mission too. So you really get a chance to really get to know these guys and and actually kind of shoot the breeze with them in the process, which yeah. is really awesome. Um, I think that that is really special to me. I think that the the gamble to becoming an RPG for the franchise... I was just going to say... We, we got to touch on that, because yeah. I think I think they they mostly did okay. 
No, I, see, I, let me interrupt you real quick because yeah. I because I I didn't even mention that I disagree with you a little bit because this game is a beat 'em up was a beat 'em up and I didn't even think about that while talking about this game because I felt that the transition was so seamless to me where it's not a beat 'em up it's no. a turn based RPG yep, and it yep. still through and through. works really well for me because honestly when you play those other games it's a kind of a lot of button mashing a lot of doing this a lot of doing that. Yeah. And so this kind of takes away all of that yeah. and relegates it to a button press. Sorry, to drop. But no, it's no, you're, like, good. you're good. For I me, mean, it was like you know. Yeah, it, it was. It was a. It was a nice change of pace. Um, I think. Yeah, it, it went from. The series was kind of a like a, a grittier Shenmue mm-hmm. at one point and became different over time. And I think that the they needed to do something different for the series. It needed a shot in the arm. And I think changing it to a JRPG was a smart move. The problem is that. They're not very experienced with making JRPG, right, so there's true. a lot of things about the the the, the JRPG uh, gameplay that are very very amateur that you don't see other developers that have a long running pedigree of making great JRPGs make the uh, make mistakes with. Um, very juvenile in a lot of ways, uh, and and and, and rookie like in a lot of ways, and that creeps up towards uh, as we as Pablo alluded to earlier, towards the end of the game, where in in a later chapter, I believe it's chapter twelve, which is ironically the best chapter in the game from a story standpoint. Um, it was also the most frustrating because they have a huge difficulty spike where uh, and a level spike where you're literally going from being around level 30 at the time as with you and your party to going up against um, level 50 bosses. And, and, and the, the chapters prior were not easing you into that at all. So you just have this moment where you're like, oh, shit, I am really behind. And you have to grind and grind and grind and grind your way into being capable of uh, going up against those bosses in uh, that chapter. And it just took the wind out of my sails. And it happened a second time with the very, very last mission in the game, which, again, from a story standpoint, was an incredible high, but from a gameplay standpoint, was a frustrating low. And so because of that, this game, at one point, was my second uh, favorite game of the year. Um, but because of how it fell apart in the latter stages of the game, uh, despite the amazing story beats that happened, I had to bump it down to number seven. So, uh, Yakuza, uh, love it. I can't wait to see what they do next. I- I'm definitely I'm in for the long haul with this new cast. Um, but I, I just wish they can tighten the screws on the RPG formula and maybe get some people in the studio that have a bit more experience with it so they can do a better job than what they did the first time out. Yeah, I do agree with that. It, yeah. Some of the stuff just seems a little bit kind of like, uh, not an afterthought. Uh, I'm sure they thought they were doing a good job. But like you said, a little amateurish in that, in that sense. Yeah. So I do agree with that. Uh, my number six is The Last of Us Part Two, mm. and, and this is kind of the antithesis to what... Uh, Super Mega Baseball 3s, <laughs> where I had a Actually, great yeah. time. It was so fun yeah. place where, And then it got to a point for me when I was playing um, Last of Us 2 and I just wasn't having fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Not, not, and not because the gameplay isn't fun, you know, the, the mechanics and shooting, it's all fine. It's just that it took one of my favorite characters in video game with Ellie and made her insufferable oh. in a lot of ways. Oh. God. And it was for me frustrating, but also disheartening. And the game is already heavy, man. It is a heavy fucking game. Uh, and then, and then it, it puts you in, in the shoes of of Abby, who people for whatever reason love or hate her. Yeah. And and it gives you this incredible story arc of this person who uh, 
just wanted revenge, finally got it, felt empty as hell from it, and it found kind of her way with caring for others in a way that she wasn't before with um with uh, the kid. She kind of became Joel. In yeah, in that ways. sense, where she took she took uh, these Lev. Pe- yeah Lev under under her wing, uh, because uh, he needed her help. Uh, and, and and she really became like you said she became Joel and it's this incredible moment where where you go back into this island where it's uh, you're literally going against your own people to save someone you love because the situation you're in in that world you know made you love that person changed you right yeah uh, a lot like us in, in this world where things change you because of, of certain situations and then going back to play Ellie. Mm, who's mm, in mm. the same place where Abby was when the game started, just all out ready for, just fucking ready to, to kill, revenge, revenge, revenge. Yeah. And I know I'm sure that's probably what the game wanted you to feel. I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I think it was a little too much. I think that they hit you over the head. I, they're so They were so elegant with the first game and the way they told their story. I felt that this was less elegant. This was more... Oof. Ham-fisted. Yeah, it like, was. fuck you. Hate, hate, hate consistently. And it just, for me, was like, ugh. And then, <laughs> yeah. also frustrating, when you finally get to the end where, all right, you're this person now. Go ahead and and uh, and uh kill Abby. You have a change of heart. And it just, for me, didn't really make sense. Oh, because man. she went through this whole journey. She loses fingers. She loses... It's just... She leaves the game... This person you learn to love with nothing. No girlfriend, no baby, no dad. Can't even play her 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 her, her song that she has uh, with oh, her man. dad that she learned. And I know that in an emotional standpoint, maybe for Marco that works. And for me it works because it, it did the thing that it wanted me to do. I just didn't love doing it. It really just fucked with me too much. With that said... One other issue that I had that's totally a Pablo thing, Hispanic representation in this game is garbage. Oh, it was so uh, trash. I mean, Big you know, trash. you know, with Miles Morales this year, uh, last year coming out and, and really doing a lot for me, being that I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and, and I've never seen the Puerto Rican flag in a video game before in my whole life. Seeing that doing something to me that I never because I'm not re- I'm Puerto Rican, raised in Florida. I'm not really that much of a like in touch with my Puerto Rican roots, but I am Puerto mm-hmm. Rican, right? So seeing that really was like, oh shit, you know, it did something to me but anyway Hispanic representation and it was so like hey mommy you know we, I need, we need a ladies man yeah. Spaniard man this like, guy could have literally man. his name could have been Rico <laughs> Suave and, and then it would be like how you doing and like all yeah. oh, the ladies yep anyway that's just kind of where, where, where I'm at with the game it still made my number six I, I if I was a betting man last year if we did the top ten releases last year I would have said The Last of Us 2 was probably going to be number one mm. it is yeah. my number six uh, yeah. and, and I'm okay with the game being there. I struggled with where I would put it. It was eight. It was five. Man, mine danced all over the damn. Yeah, place. yeah. It's a hard yeah. game to. It's a hard game to love. It's a. It's a really, really well made game. Naughty Dog. Yeah, you can't con- deny that. Yeah, Naughty Dog continues to tell you, show you that they're probably the best developer in the entire uh, video yeah. game industry right now. Probably, probably next to, to Rockstar in that sense. Uh, but yeah, absolutely incredible game that emotionally did to me what I didn't want it to mm-hmm. and that's a me thing but it's also my list and it's number six for me cool all right um my number six and i'm pissed off at pablo 
because he didn't even have this as an honorable mention because he hates nice things. But actually, I think I would say honestly, I probably forgot to put it there because this should be on my honorable mentions. Lies, more lies, fables, <laughs> fables fallacies, tall tales. Um, my number six game is um, man. This this franchise has been one of my favorites since day one. Um, I have always had a soft spot for it, um, and I could not wait for the series to get back on track again after having, man, just a really rough patch for a few a few solid uh, iterations there. Resident Evil 3, uh, the remake that came out earlier uh, at the beginning of the year uh, last year, really stood the test of time for me as a, as a standout game. Now, I, I, I am of the mindset that I think a lot of people who have played Resident Evil 3 probably didn't play it when it originally came out. And I think because of that, it got a lot of the same criticisms that it did when the original came out. Yeah. Because Resident Evil 2, as we all know, was this amazing game. You're in the RPD uh, you know, police station. You're, you know, It's a very Resident Evil-ass game. And to go from that to something that is more punchy and more action-heavy in Resident Evil 3, it's a shorter experience. Um, I think it threw a lot of people off back then, and I think it threw a lot of people off now. And you know, I think that's why a lot of people said, "Oh, this would have been a great, you know, uh, expansion to RE2, like downloadable content or something yeah. like that." But to me, I think people have just kind of missed the point of what the game is, and it, it's literally a game of, you know, look, Jill Valentine needs to get the fuck out of, of Raccoon City before, before it gets nuked. So there's no time to go around and explore a police station or a mansion and find the, the weird mystery key that opens this door that has a spade on it or some shit like that. Like, she needs to get the fuck out. And yeah. she's got a nemesis being thing, whatever the fuck it is, chasing her uh, all throughout the city while she's trying to get out of Dodge. And that really sets an amazing tone for me uh, for, for the way that this, this game felt to play through it. It's a seven, maybe eight hour game if you're really, really taking your good old time with yeah. it. But in that seven hours, you get a really good, um, no-nonsense version of Resident Evil um, that has the old-school feel to it uh, that was uh, well remade uh, with Resident Evil 2 uh, of, I think it was 2018 um, or 2019. Oh, yeah. and, and then you couple that with this new, uh, more action-heavy experience where you have to be more on your toes uh, and, and get out of there as quick as you can uh, type of vibe. And I think it, it worked really, really well for me. Um, I, I'm sad that a lot of people didn't really get what made it so special. And I, I can understand it to a certain extent, but I think that this game overall really stuck with me because it was such a really nice representation of what was, at the time, I felt to be a really nice, healthy departure for the Resident Evil series without getting into the territory that it did later uh, with Oof. Resident Evil 5 and 6 and, and even to an extent 7 where they just kind of threw out the formula or, or went in a totally too action heavy of a formula to the point where it lost its identity after a while. This was a nice blend of action and that survival horror feel that I felt uh, was a really nice fit for the series at the time and, and uh, in the case of this remake. So um, I loved it. I still recommend it. If you see it on sale uh, on, on PSN or, or uh, on Xbox, I say pick it up. I think it's going to be worth it. it it's definitely going to respect your time. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like there's no reason to not try it out. I, I definitely suggest it. Um, and, and I would disregard a lot of the, 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 the goofy shit you're probably hearing about the game. Um, not really, you know, being, oh, it's not Resident Evil 2 enough. Well, it wasn't supposed to be. And I want to say about uh, Resident Evil 3, I think it's like the best 
version of that game because it cut some stuff like the graveyard. Uh, what yeah. was it? The, the post op. I, I forgot specifically what, but those were like not the greatest moments of that game. No, no. It kind of made like a lean. Yeah, I was going to say, trim the fat. Yeah, trim the fat a little bit. I, I, I honestly just forgot to put in my honorable mentions because I really enjoyed that game myself. Um, I thought it was a great time. Yeah. Yep, that was my number, my number six. All right. So my number five. We're going into the top five here finally. Let's go. Uh, my number five is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, okay. Listen, the first Spider-Man game was awesome. It was a great time. I, I loved it. Uh, and when this was announced, it seemed like a smaller title, almost like a DLC type thing, or at least I yeah. thought. Um, kind of like, uh, what's that uh, Uncharted 4 spinoff? Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy, which yeah. I, I actually liked Lost Legacy better than oh, Uncharted 4. Oh, it was really 4. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is as good as Spider-Man uh, from 2018. Tw- yeah, 2018. Yeah. Uh, again, and I've mentioned this before, but the whole Brett representation, the Puerto Rican representation, really, uh, it really did something for me as well. But even past that, uh, the fact that Miles Morales was so well done like, as the character, yeah. his his supporting cast, and even uh, the the bad guy being Tinker, and then people—I know people didn't really like that too much. I I can go either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was good. I thought it, I thought it was kind of a smart way to uh, put him in a situation with a. A bad guy who isn't... He's just a bad guy because he's ruining yeah. New York. It's more personal uh, as well, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but, I mean, this is kind of like... It's hard to, to talk about this game without mentioning the original Spider-Man game because it, it is cut from the same cloth. Exactly, it is, yeah. It is pretty much the And the new... Um, I played it in 30 frames with the... Um, uh, Oh, my God. oh uh, ray fidelity, tracing. fidelity mode with ray tracing. Fidelity mode. Yeah. And yeah. then I switched to the 60 frames, and it's really hard to go back to 30 after you uh, play that game with 60. So yeah. um, and then the, recently, a couple of months ago, they released a patch where you can actually do both, 60 frames. Uh, I've tried it too, yeah. have you? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It, it's yeah. it's clean, it's, it's smooth, and that's like the, that's the best way of playing that game, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just, uh, I, I like the story, I like the character. Uh, it was just another one of those games that it was fun to play as well, you know? And it respected your mm-hmm. time. It, it, it was a little on the shorter side. Yeah. Could have probably been longer, could have fleshed out some kind of... Uh, Had some fluff, uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fluff, yeah, could have fleshed out some more character stuff. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, you know, with his uncle and all that stuff. Um, but on, honestly, I mean, I'll keep it short because there, there's not much to say about the game other than um, that it is uh, continuing the the success that um, was it Sucker Punch had yep. with, uh, with Spider-Man. And they know what they're doing with that property. They know they know who Peter Parker is. They know who Miles Morales is, and they're doing a great job. I am really looking forward to what they're going to do with Spider-Man Two officially. I don't think they can completely go away from Miles Morales because I feel like he, if for me, is uh, just as much as part of their world now as Peter Parker is. And I and I love the fact. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's Insomniac. Insomniac. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sucker punch. I don't want to say. Uh, uh, I I don't know why. Um. I don't know what I said. I said I don't know why, but I I, I like the <laughs> fact that um, the people of New York also uh, made the joke about oh he's 
the other Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's you know that's kind of how our I, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but I really I, I like the, the 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 storytelling. I like the the fact that they focused on Harlem and and, and kind of captured that world. Uh, it's a world within a world, mm-hmm. and they kind of told that story from his perspective, his story, his family, all that stuff. I think it was really well done. It's like a smaller scale story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still told in, in, in a way where you could really appreciate it, and um, I, I thought it was good. Didn't overstay yeah. his welcome, um, you know. And that's all. I I, I always want to go more in depth about games that I'm talking about, but it's hard for me to do with Spider-Man: Miles Morales because it's just a really fun, very fun, compact, sp- yeah, experience. compact spinoff of a game. Yeah, and and I want more of these kind of things. Oh yeah. Um, and I, f- I feel like Sony has saw the the success in this, and uh, they'll probably do a lot more of these of these things. Oh yeah, yeah, it's on my list too. Very shortly, but mm-hmm. uh, before that, my number five is Ghost of Tsushima. Well. Man, so me and Pablo had some reservations about this game before it came out. We were we were thinking it was going to be the, the 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 next days gone of of the Sony catalog, and that it was probably going to be all right. It was going to do some things okay. But it wasn't going to be great. Right. And um, holy shit, uh, that was a great game. Yeah. Um, it, it still is fun to go back to, uh, especially, you know, getting a chance to play it in 60 frames on PS5. Um, but man, I think that game did so many things well. Um, and, yep. and, and a real good departure from, I believe, that Sucker Punch. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. So um, huge departure for them uh, coming off the heels of, of, of their catalog. And I, I love how... They really, really committed to that era, to that aesthetic, to the style, to the trappings of, of that uh, of that era, and it, it they pulled it off so well and so beautifully. Quite literally, uh, the world was was gorgeous to explore. Um, I loved the way that the man it, little things that they did to that open world gameplay that made it kind of its own thing. Um, like you know, it, it might have been annoying to some people, but you know, using the wind to kind of direct you. Instead of just having you know a, a typical you know compass like thing uh, on on your HUD was a really nice change and it, it kind of drew you into the world a little bit more. Um, uh, the way that you would follow, I think there were foxes. Yeah. Uh, to the fox dens and it's a to basically you know get uh, upgrades and stuff like that. They they really took a lot of things that were very ordinary and and commonplace about open world games and they put their spin on it in a way where it felt fresh to me. Um, all in a very beautiful environment. Uh, with with really surprisingly fun combat, um, I had a lot of reservations about it at first because it didn't have lock on, which is, right. to me was like, oh no, this is this is either going to work fine or it's going to be a, a nightmare. And it turned out to be really good, and it, it really encouraged me at least to to play more methodical, not to the point of like a, a demon souls or dark souls type of way, but I had to be a little bit more thoughtful because I, I didn't want to go out there and do something stupid. Um, some parts about the game, I think, were a little dry at times. I think the story, uh, in its commitment to the, 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 the trappings of that era, might have been a little too true to it in a sense of it wasn't maybe for some people uh, you know, gamified enough uh, from a storytelling standpoint. And I do think it fell short in some ways where uh, there wasn't enough time with Khan, uh, uh, the antagonist of the yeah. game, which I thought was... A uh, really well done character. I just wish there was more opportunities to see him and and engage with him throughout the the campaign because he was really, he seemed like he would be the type of character that have very memorable lines. And I just wish that there were more opportunities to cross paths with him. And he yeah. wasn't just over there and you're making your way up to him to fight him again. You know what I mean? Like it was just a little too much of that for me. 
Um, but man, that game really, really surprised me. It, it gripped me from beginning to end. And uh, the Legends DLC that came out, um, that just came out of nowhere and, and was like, oh, here's a multiplayer thing that's actually pretty damn competent and actually pretty fun. It wasn't an afterthought. Yeah, it wasn't an afterthought at all. It was actually like a really well done um, addition to the game that um, really made me sit back and go, wow, like they actually figured out a way to make this work. And it, it was fun. Um, I, I didn't really get a chance to dabble in all of it because I know it had a lot of like single, like single, not co- not single player, but like co-op story yeah. missions, I guess, uh, that I wish I could have experienced. But um, overall, man, that was such a, ve- uh, a very pleasant surprise for me this year. Um, again, a little dry in, in a lot of ways, so it didn't it didn't you know get much further than this on my list for that reason. Uh, not the kind of story that I want to go back and play again. Um, but what I did get out of that experience was very memorable, very fun, and definitely worthy of cracking my top five. Yeah. No, I agree. And more to say about that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it comes up on my list. Number four for me is Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, shit. So, you know, Mark already kind of covered some stuff. Game runs like booty juice. Mm. Uh, it has a lot of <laughs> has a lot of shit wrong with it. We've heard the news. We read the articles. We saw the people backing out of their nine point scores and giving it a different score <laughs> to kind of save face. We saw all of that. Point is, for me on the PS Five, uh, there was pop in issues. There was crashes, and it happened often. It, it, there was moments where it didn't happen as as much. Yeah, uh, but it still was happening. But even with all of that, I really felt that the game, that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, is the best Fallout game I've ever played. Right in the st- in the style of three, four. Uh, that that's what I mean by that because those games were always um, they did things uh, New Vegas included where. Uh, your choices mattered, uh, but not really, right? Like, they did, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Um, certain stories that you could have missed, certain things that you could have done differently, certain uh, different endings, all that, all that is true about those games. But this game, for me, Cyberpunk 2077, took all that and really made those kind of things matter. Now, right. there is some stuff about endings, and I saw all the multiple endings, there's secret endings, I see all that. It could have been better, it could have been done better, for sure, but... I've always felt while playing my character that the option that they gave me is the option I would have picked anyway mm-hmm. because they develop uh, I develop my character through their help through their storytelling through their um, options given and, and it really for me uh, worked in a way where I I just felt like I was part of that world yeah. Sure, it took me out of it every time it froze on me and all that stuff. Yep. But I really enjoyed uh, making V my own person. I really enjoyed dressing him up in like insane outfits. Uh, making Pablo's him look- V looked like an asshole <laughs> in every possible way. Douche McGee. He's like he's like he's like uh, my uh, he's like uh, V was bad oh, fun, bad bunny. Man. My, my, my bad bunny <laughs> that is ass not that is not inaccurate at all. Actually, uh, yeah. So I. I you know, and and I really uh, enjoyed the, the 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 combat, even though it's not great. But the different options, different weapons. I I, yeah. I, I took a point where I had a katana, 
and I was literally using the katana the entire way through. I mean, and it was vi- it was a viable choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it comes to the story itself, uh, the the three in- the three intros in the beginning, the three different paths you can take, those those are really good ideas. I, I do think that they are uh, superficial. Yeah, um, yeah. They don't do much for the grand scheme of the game itself. However, as a role playing game. You put yourself in that position. I started myself as a corpo, and the entire way that I played the game was as a as a former corporate guy. Sure, the game didn't do a lot in that way where it gave me a lot of different options to play that way, but I yeah. played it that way. I sided more with the corporations, or I sided with things that weren't a corporation because I knew what they did, right? Like, I, I played that yeah, way, yeah. right? And if and I, I restarted the game as a nomad, so same way. I played carefree, very I-don't-give-a-fuck type right. uh, type character because I was a nomad. I was mm-hmm. a, I used to live in Night City, and I came out of it. I came back to it, and it's that's how I played the game. That that, that, that game did enough for me with the world. role playing. Yeah, with the yeah. world, with the story, with the options that it literally uh, got me into the game. And then uh, Johnny Silverhand. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. Yeah, him. L- oh, man. talk about Johnny, Johnny Silverhand. I, look, Johnny Silverhand um, is a great idea, and it for me it was executed well enough because of um, Keanu Reeves, right. right? I do think that uh, the rumor is saying that because they had Keanu Reeves, that they did a lot with the game to center themselves around that. And that's probably why some things happened towards the latter part of the game. But I really enjoyed the relationship that I cultivated with Johnny. You can you can go about it different ways. Yeah. You can be skeptical of him the entire way yeah. through, and it will it will affect your game in very different ways. There's a portion of that game that I won't spoil uh, for Marco's sake and for people who haven't played the game because a lot of people are like Marco, just stop or waiting. Yeah, um, where. There was a real thing that happened between me and Johnny that would have not happened if I didn't trust him throughout the game. Mm. There's no way that I would have gotten that if I always were was uh, was dubious of his actions and what he he wanted or what yeah. he didn't want. There are certain things that you can do that you can miss out completely on these incredible things because of how you feel about him. And that's how mm. the game that, that that game does enough where I think for me. I trusted Johnny in a way, but I know somebody else who played it who didn't see all those things because they they didn't mm-hmm. trust him at all. And their ending was kind of dope, like because yeah. it went with theirs, but it wouldn't have gone with mine. Um, it, it, the game just does a lot right. It does yeah, yeah, a let, lot let right. Let him in. <laughs> let him in. It does so much right, and and yeah, and it's really sad to me uh, so that sweet, man. that that it, all this is happening happening to it. CDPR. Uh, for all their terrible shit that they did with with Crunch and, and the way they've gone about certain things, unfortunately, this is gonna put a really like sour or a dark mark on, the, on their record. But yeah. they're phenomenal fucking uh, developers. Look, Witcher Three was completed mm. in eighteen months. Okay, there is a version of Witcher Three that they pretty much scrapped. They did Witcher Three in eighteen yeah. months. This game they didn't they didn't quite pull it off, but it was something similar where they had they scrapped this game, redid it, and this is what they come. No, nobody does. Like you, you walk out in that game. There is you, you just see things in that world where it's just never seen in a video game before. Like yeah. the, the, the way that the world is set up, the way Night City is, it looks absolutely amazing. But you know, with all the issues, this could very easily have been my game of the year. But there's too oh, many issues man. that would stop it from there. But uh, yeah. that's why my, this is at, at number four for me. 
Yeah, it, it could have been my game of the year, man. Yeah. It, it had it had all the DNA it needed, but oof. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And I, I like I said earlier, I can't wait to play through the rest of it and, and kind of experience mm-hmm. uh, all the Silverhand goodness that you got a chance to see. Yeah. Um, my number four, uh, we just talked about it a little earlier, so I don't want to dwell on it super long, but uh, I, I have Spider-Man Miles Morales at, at my number four spot. Man, um, this was another game that kind of floated all over the list, and at one point it was off my list. But, um, you know, I, for a little back, a little bit of background, I, I waited to play the original Spider-Man uh, 2018 uh, in full until the PS5 version came out because I started it on PS4, and then when I found out they were going to do the, the remastered edition that was going to be have all the bells and whistles and, be, and look better, run better, blah, 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 I'm like, all right, it doesn't make sense to play it anymore right, right. now. I'll just wait. Um, played it on PS5, fell in love with it, played Miles Morales immediately after, and I think the, the problem that I had was by playing them back-to-back like that. I played Spider-Man, all the DLC from Spider-Man, and then Miles Morales. I was, I was definitely fatigued. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't until I came back to Miles Morales about, I want to say about a month ago. Just for the hell of it, I wanted to try out the performance ray tracing update that they did uh, to, the, uh, to the game, and... Man, I started playing it again, and I'm like, "Oh man, this was really, this was really good. This was, I mean, I knew it was good at the time. It was, it was already kind of floating around my top ten list back then. But playing it again and reliving some of the moments, and um, you know, just how well they executed not only um, the, the the Harlem uh, vibe, but just giving the 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 Spider-Man gameplay from the 2018 game a little extra juice for you know what." Uh, Miles Morales' powers brought to the table. It just made it so much more fun, uh, and I really, really enjoyed my time with it. Now, it's not to say that it didn't have its flaws. I thought that Simon Krieger was... Uh, I didn't like him as a villain. He was just like the douchey white guy, like, whoa, there's money and power. Whoa. Performance is good because that guy doesn't... Uh, he does, he Trey did, always does a good job, but He just, did exactly what he was supposed to do, yeah. but it was like, oh, man, I, I wish there was somebody a little bit more impactful because he just kind of came and went to me. Um, what Pablo said earlier about the Tinkerer, I thought you know she was a, a, a really interesting character. I think they kind of expedited some of the story beats uh, to get to where it ended up in the end. Um, but I think the payoff in the end was still very nice. Um, I don't know what it is, man. I, Miles Morales' voice actor got on my nerves a lot in that game. Yeah. he's He was a little too over the top, especially when he's swinging. It's very okay. Uh, like it's just oh my god. Dude, was just like, talk. The direction was like you're a kid. Remember, yeah. you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. It was like oh my god. His voice was so obnoxious. But um, you know, other than those little quirks, I, I really thought that the game was um, a really surprisingly good next step in in what uh, to expect from the Spider-Man uh, you know series, I guess, or I hope. Uh, moving forward, um, so I'm I'm really excited about what's next. And again, I'm not a comic book guy. I don't really care about the, you know really any of these IPs, any of these franchises. But the quality of this game really superseded um, you know my my lack of interest in in Spider-Man and and really any other comic book franchises at all. So excited to see more. Um, and in the meantime, um, definitely a highlight from last year for sure. Number four. Yeah. Um, so my number three. Is Demon Souls. Um, I love Demon Souls uh, from beginning to end. It is undoubtedly the easiest of the Souls-like games for yeah. sure. Uh, there are some uh, really now because of Demon Souls One, 
2, 3, and, and Bloodborne. Some really kind of not great boss designs. Uh, they did a lot of stuff where they kind of pretty much told you how to beat the boss, where they give you, like, the uh, flame base and stuff, where it's like, oh, he's fire resistant. You oh, go yeah. in there, you can just yeah. whip that guy's ass. Um, but I think, and it's not tooting my own horn, I think I have certain procl- uh, proclivities to these kind of games. I find myself... Uh, <laughs> I find myself not having as hard a time to the point of frustration. I die a lot, for mm-hmm. sure. I die a lot. But I always know what I need to do next. Um, and mm-hmm. for me, it becomes a little bit like a roguelike, where, like and you mentioned that before, but not in that obnoxious way where I don't feel like uh, I have to come at this from a different approach. I always feel like yeah. I came at it with the right idea. I just, just kind of have tune to tweak. It a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tweak a little bit. And so... Uh, I, I pretty much one killed a lot of the bosses, um, and that's not to brag. That's to say that these games are actually not as hard as the other ones. But the treatment it got from the ground up, from uh, graphical fidelity, oh, uh, yeah. the the sixty frames, the four K resolution. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it, crazy. Yeah, it, it really changed that game because if you look at that game the way it was made, right, being a PlayStation Three exclusive game. And then now, obviously, you're gonna see night and day, but it's still the same game, mm-hmm. except it's modernized. And there's a lot of complaints, and I've seen a lot of people complain about that. That yeah. it's still all the warts, and this is yes. true. But at the same time, I, I think it'd be hard to, uh, uh, to 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 operate on those warts, take those those ugliness uh, ugliness out of the game because it stops being that game and it becomes Dark Souls or Bloodborne, yep. and. Yep. I, I'm glad that they were able to encapsulate everything that Demon Souls was. Make it a 2020-2021 game, next-gen PlayStation 5 game, and you see it, be impressed, love it, but still kind of know what that game is from any exposure you have with the PS3. And if you didn't have any of it, you're coming into it as another Demon Souls yeah, game. And if you play a lot true. of Demon Souls games that you've never played, uh, well, Dark Souls games, and you never played Demon Souls, mm-hmm. you're going to have a great-ass time because it's the easier, you yeah. know? Um and for me, it was just uh, the stories in all these games are always in the background, and this is no different. Uh, the, the the design, the the level design, phenomenal. Something that you couldn't really appreciate in the first Demon Souls too much, in my mm-hmm. opinion. The 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 third level, which is like the prison. Oh man, that 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 is creepy as shit. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the first world you go into, uh, where, I mean, it just looks dilapidated castle, dragon, it just looks medieval as fuck, and it's badass. It just, they do these things, uh, they did this thing with with, with this game, where they took everything that the game was, and just made it a next-gen remake, and that's, these are the kind of remakes that I want, and there's another remake in our lists, uh, that, 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 that did stuff like that too, so, (laughs) I mean, it's funny because when we think about remakes, you think about, okay, this is just the same game that, before, there were times where we probably, should we even consider, uh, one of these games as top 10, but Demon's Souls, unlike another game that's on our list, is very faithful to, to it, but because of the mechanics, and how it's changed, and how it looks, and how it plays, and how it feels, it almost feels like a new game, uh, but, and I do, I disagree with Marco. I'm not the type of, of guy that needs to see the wins. Like I, I do, but not as much. Like I do get elated when I beat a boss that I, I, I died a few times to. It really is an experience for me where, especially with the other Demon Souls games in, in uh, Sekiro, mm-hmm. when I beat a boss I couldn't beat, uh, when I beat, uh, I forgot, J- Jaishin from uh, Sekiro, which is the midway boss, which is the hardest boss in the entire game, and he's in the middle of the damn game. When It took me about two weeks to beat him. 
when I beat him, it was the best experience of my video game life, I think. Ugh. But, guess what? I never played that game again because... That game it, sucks. No, no, no. It, it, it peaked too early. That, that was like an amazing Ugh. battle. It just peaked too early. But anyway, back to uh, Demon's Souls. It, it, it just it just is, is uh, an incredible uh, next-gen experience. Uh, it's actually one of the only next-gen experiences that we had because... You know, a lot yeah. of these, you know, a lot of these games are coming out for both consoles, which you know makes sense with the uh, player base out there. But uh, Demon Souls is my number three. I loved every moment uh, that I uh, had uh, my time with that game, yeah. and I kind of. I'm surprised it's not your number one at, at times, man. Well, when it, you talked it, about it. My top three definitely always changed. It yeah, was this, it that, did. this, that. The, and the only reason that I and, and what I did is I looked at them like this. I looked at my gameplay. Mm-hmm. Right, I looked at this, I looked at that, I looked at story, mm-hmm. and that's the only place where it kind of lacked the story part. Part of it. Oh yeah. So it, it, it yeah. so it kind of it, it it settled at three, and it stayed at three because of that. So, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's my number three, and I, I I absolutely loved it, and I I recommend you guys to play it. I know it's a Demon mm-hmm. Souls game, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a hard barrier entry at seventy dollars, <laughs> but I think that um, if you know what this game is and you go into it, you're gonna have a, a good time with it. And Elden Ring does not exist. <laughs> man at this point I wouldn't even be surprised um, alright cool so my number three is The Last of Us Part 2 um, man I think out of every game on this list even more than Cyberpunk um, I had the hardest time figuring out where this game was going to land because a lot of what Pablo said is exactly how I feel and probably even more so um, and I, I do think in a future episode of this show we're probably going to take a deep dive yeah um, maybe you know when it's when it hits its one year anniversary or something like that to, to talk about more of the finer points of the game. But I I, I do agree do with Pablo. Cast. Yeah, oh yes, for sure. Um, on a lot of levels, I will say though that to his point, this game does not come up for air very often. In that it is so bleak, so dark, so relentlessly horrible um, that it's almost to his point earlier ham fisted and just it too on the nose in the worst ways possible. Yeah. Um, the way that they use certain certain things, like, you know, pregnancy, for instance, to, to create shock value for you, uh, was really distasteful for me. And I'm not opposed to that sort of thing. I, I don't mind games that push the envelope or, or shove the envelope. But um, it, it all comes down to how it's done, and I think that in a lot of ways, it handled things like that very poorly. Yep. Um, how much can we gut and mangle and maim and just make you leave a playthrough with like the worst feeling in your stomach? Yeah. Uh, and I think that was what most of that game was for me. Uh, the times where I think the game shined and why it, it always brought me back and won me over regardless of itself was in the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, getting a chance to see that very familiar Joel-Ellie relationship from from the first game. Albeit with some changes and some certain story beats that were kind of affecting their dynamic at times, but you still felt a lot of what you felt from the first game. Um, and, and that was the stuff that I really missed because Ellie at, at that time of her life was a much different person, uh, a little bit more lighthearted, able to be a, a bit more tongue-in-cheek and funny, and, and it just felt like, okay, that's The Last of Us. That I love. That's the Last of Us that I wanted more of. And not to say that I'm uh, opposed to the game taking the chances that it took. I just think that, again, the way that it was executed could have been a lot better. Um, But despite that, I couldn't pull myself away from the game. And that was just clear. Despite the issues that I had with, with the story beats and 
how long in the tooth it got towards the end, especially with that last chapter of you know uh, uh, Ellie looking for um, Al, um, Abby. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just I was like, oh man, there's more of this. Oh my god! But despite all of that, I just couldn't put the game down, and it it's a game that I actually I I, I tried to go back to. And I couldn't because yeah. as soon as they put me back in in Abby's uh, shoes for the first time in the beginning of the game, I'm like, ugh. I knew I knew it, was, it all came coming back. I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be this. That's gonna happen. Oh shit, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. But I do know there's gonna be a time when I'm gonna want to come back to it again. And I hope that if there's a PS5 upgrade or something like that, and when yeah. the multiplayer eventually comes out, I think I'll be ready to relive it again and hopefully see it in a different way than I did before. But for now, um, it was a game that I really thought would be my number one. Uh, so it was a disappointing game this year in that sense, but I can't deny the fact that it always kept me coming back. It always kept me eager to see what was going to happen next and eager to see what was going to happen to a lot of these characters because yeah. when certain things happened in the beginning of that game, it was like, oh shit, all bets are off now. Like now I don't know what to expect. And so uh, for that, it kept me on my toes, kept me engaged, and I, I had to pay it its, its due respect for that by putting it at my number three. So my, my number two is a little bit of a shocker. Uh, I don't have nostalgia for this game like my friend Marco here does, though I have good memories with it because of Marco, because I used to <laughs> go over his house and watch him play this. This is true. Uh, uh, however, for me, when Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is my number two game of the year, uh, was announced, I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was announced to be episodic, I was hysterical. Uh, when when Square continuously almost you know without any kind of like they didn't try to make any piece of it Mm -hmm. they didn't talk about this game as episodic after they said it was so you know I had problems with that I had problems with the fact that they're not telling people this is half a game how the hell are they going to make a whole game uh, a game that they're claiming to be 40, 50 hours out of the five hours of this Final Fantasy VII, the beginning of the game. How are they going to do this? This is impossible. It's going to be yeah. a lot of uh, fluff, a lot of stuff, a lot of this. And for me, there is a lot of that. However, this isn't a remake. This is a reimagining of mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII. Exactly. Now, because it is a reimagining, usually when you reimagine something, there's obviously changes. What I like about this is that this game ramped up to those changes. It was very faithful to Final Fantasy VII at first, as the way started. But as time went on, and as you reached that ending, it was really telling you, "Hey, we gave you what you wanted, but we're we're going a different way with this." You know, and I really appreciated that because when you look at remakes like like Demon Souls, it's like, okay, one for one, one for one, one for one, cool. I love it, awesome, great. But you expect the same thing. That they don't do that. I mean, when you first see uh, Sethroth. Uh, like after you know the um, you blow up the oh, uh, reactor, you're like, yeah. wait, this this, this is, doesn't this never happened. Oh man, my stomach was turning. Like, what is going on? But it makes sense. It was like, oh, yeah. they, they they fit that in such a really amazing way. And then obviously you have to talk about the combat system. It's not it's oh. not turn based. That's gonna be a disaster, right? Not really. It's actually fucking great. Fam, uh, and you so know, good. I, I Final Fantasy 15 started to. Uh, go down that path but mm-hmm. if you like Final Fantasy 15's combat uh, you're gonna love the Final oh, Fantasy series be because it, it is it is it is that on crack it is it is that per, almost perfected yeah. in my opinion and then uh, 
it takes each of those one-dimensional characters from the first Final Fantasy VII game, which you still loved as a kid, <laughs> Barrett, you know, yeah. all, you know, all, all these people, t- uh, Tifa, uh, Tifa, um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Vincent, on, on, Barrett, yeah, uh, all, them, all these guys that you, they're one-dimensional nobodies. Uh, well, except maybe not Barrett, but yeah, they flesh these guys out to the point yeah. where Barrett is still saying the dumbest shit. The whole, the most hokey written bullshit, <laughs> but he's saying it yeah. with conviction. That voice acting is great, and you're like, yeah, man, we gotta save the fucking planet, bro. Yeah, yeah. And they fleshed out a lot of the secondary characters, like Biggs Wedge. Yeah, and, oh and, yeah, uh, for sure. And they, they I can't gave, remember her name though. Uh, uh, Je- Jesse. Jesse. They yeah, gave, yeah, yeah. they gave, they gave them these personalities that you cared about them. Mm-hmm. So when things happened to them that happened in the original game, you, it wasn't just like, oh, it was. Devastating, because I yeah. wanted to. I, I was like, I think I'm. A, I think I want to romance Jesse, and <laughs> you know, it was a devastating. It was really a really emotional moment, and then everything that they did with yeah. with, with 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 the with the story in terms of like uh, the, the the silliness uh, uh, of the story itself. It oh, still worked. That was great. Yeah, it still works because mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the was was a big house. Um, yeah, find uh, the uh, yeah the, the house. Yeah, that the dancing was, sequence. Yeah, the dancing oh, sequence. All the stuff is just like it. It works to a point where it's like this shouldn't be this good. Now, there for me, I found some of the side mission stuff to be a little fluff, but they're not. It's not a lot of. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not to the point where it's annoying. You're mm-hmm. actually fleshing out the world around you, the people around you, even like third, fourth, uh, the characters in the game itself. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I I was really ready to, to hate this because it just was, uh, how good can this be? They're taking one part of one game and they're remaking that part. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. You know? And it took yeah. years. It was it, They took it away from a team that was working on it. It, it was troubled development. Yeah. It just had so much. It was a square-ass game. Yeah, it had so much <laughs> things going against it where it's like, there's no way this is going to be good. Yeah. And not only is it good, it's incredible. And the Bro. funny thing is, these two games on my one and two are games that I was for sure weren't going to be great games, and turn out to be my favorite games of the year. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, I I I I think that um, I still think that Cloud looks crazy out of place in that world, excuse especially. Me? Excuse me. Excuse me? <laughs> so with the graphical upgrades and everything, and, and them being so faithful, I thought Cloud was a little bit like, oh, this guy is. Where's this guy from Canada? Like, just- <laughs> my number two game on my list is. Cause I'm not, I'm not doing that. No, uh, but. Call of <laughs> Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is my number two game of the year. Um, look, we talked about it enough times on this on this episode, so I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on it. I will just summarize that by saying um, one thing I didn't touch on was was that Black Ops the the, the Black Ops story um, or the Black Ops games really uh, are my favorite of the series. I think they have this 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 haunting, chilling undertone to them uh something about it is all very like government conspiracy brainwashing like mk ultra type of shit um and i've always loved it ever since black ops one with mason and the numbers and all that stuff excuse me um i think that the numbers Mason. oh man it's so to this day i still love that i still love that game it's my favorite uh, uh call of duty game period um so you know 
to me, coming back to Black Ops was was special for me because that was the series that really made me go, oh, I really like Call of Duty when it does this. Um, you know, I love Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare for all the reasons everybody else did. It was amazing. It was revolutionary for its time, all that stuff. But I really felt like Black Ops was like, okay, we're going to actually try to tell a, a halfway decent story. It's not just going to be some, here's some terrorist over here in Russia or wherever the fuck, and the nuke's going to happen, people are going to get killed, we're going to shoot up an airport. It, it, it was more than that. It was it was a lot more extensive. It was a lot more intrigue, a lot more mystery. Plot twists were in there too. Like it was oh, yeah. like a fight club almost plot twist in yeah. a way with the, with the first game. So stuff like that always kept me uh, really engaged with the series. So I was really excited when Cold War was announced. I thought, okay, I get to come back to, you know, uh, Mason, Woods, and uh, Hudson with the glasses. I'm like, man, this is, I, I'm down for this. And it lived up to expectations to me. Um, the campaign was short, uh, but very sweet. I think it almost kind of ended when it was really hitting its stride. So I was a bit disappointed from that standpoint, but it, it really worked well uh, in the end for me. I don't dabble too much in zombies either, but I did mess with it once or twice, and it was actually pretty fun. Uh, but multiplayer, as we said many times before on this episode, was where it was at and where Bread it's still at for us. And uh, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get off the, the Call of Duty train just yet, but um, I'm still on it. I'm still surprised that I'm on it. And I will also kind of uh, add, as a small side note, uh, Warzone as well came out last year. And I think overall, between Cold War being as good of a game as I think it is, and Warzone obviously being the juggernaut that it is, I think Call of Duty had an amazing 2020 uh, in a way that really, to me, made the series matter to me again. Um, I don't know if if next year is going to you know kind of pick up where you know Black Ops left off and Warzone is, is currently at. Uh, with with uh, you know the upcoming game, but um, all I know is that this year was uh, predominantly Call of Duty focused for me between Warzone and, and Cold War, and um, I'm happy for it. Um, so yeah, my number two is uh, is Black Ops. Yeah, that's good. That's it's uh, good. Uh, my number one is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, look, for everything that Marco already said in terms of like us not being very high on it, thinking maybe it's not going to be that that uh, it's going to be a Days Gone type. Yeah. No, I mean th- this game. Uh, the only thing I'll say about it in the negative, just to kind of get that out of the way, is when it started, I was like, Ugh. I was a little bored. I thought it, th- yeah, that first act went on a little long, but it hit its stride. And uh, and right when Act 2 started, right through the end, I was in on the story. I was in on the world. Uh, I, 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 was, I looked forward to dipping into one of the hot springs and just contemplating life, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, uh, Haiku City. Yeah, and, and doing the haikus. And, and ah, man, and, and just kind of uh, going back home, talking to the, the your nanny or, you know, the caretaker of, of the estate, uh, mm-hmm. the side characters, the side missions, yeah. uh, all that really stuff good. really, really, really uh, came together. And it is an open-world game, but it's not one of those games where I think we're overly stuffed with, like, a lot of bullshit. A lot of the stuff that was in it, maybe besides the Fox stuff and a lot of that, yeah, yeah. but, like, in terms of story-wise, I love doing everything about that uh, in that game. It was just such a good game. The combat... Took a little getting used to with no lock on, like Marco said. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of uh, embraced that combat and and, it, and and took the ghost portion of it, and also kind Oof. of mixed that into your yeah. into your, and added that to your repertoire, you really were out there uh, just either going face to face with people, yeah. right? The showdowns, or you were sneaking around the camps and you were like assassinating people. I mean, and all of that, all those actions came into the story where the ghost of Tsushima was out there and your uncle found out it was you he was disappointed it's about it's about tradition meeting a new oh, no. yeah it's about tradition 
tradition meeting a new world, uh, evolving to survive. All the stuff that 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 uh, that you, we see with our parents and then how we are and, and everything happening in the world. It's it's, it's that encompassed in this game. Uh, so I, I really did like the fact that uh, in order for you to survive, in order for you to take back your home, you have to become the thing that they hate, right? Yep. And then at the end of it, it's like the honor was so enthralled into them that it didn't matter what you did you broke some kind of unspoken rule and i really luckily for me i was able to kind of mix my fighting up with uh with ghosts and whatnot i had somebody who uh, a friend of mine who played it who didn't do any of the ghost stuff too much and so mm-hmm. when they were talking about the ghost stuff he was like oh, that's not really the way i'm playing the game oh, okay. so it was a little disconnect there but the game kind of wants you to do that and i think it, it rewards you in a in a way where uh it expands combat, right? Yeah. So you, it, it, you're out there, you're doing whatever you can in terms of like one-on-one fighting, but you know all the ghost stuff is really, really fun to do as well. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I, I think that the, the story and the way that it ends and 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 in the side stuff, all that stuff that I mentioned, I think all that comes together to make a really, really uh, fun package. And uh, it's it's a game that I had no kind of hope for being. <laughs> great right and not only is it great it's my favorite game of 20 uh 2020 it's literally like it's literally almost like uh like batman you know the the arkham knight series oh yeah Uh, it kind of felt like that towards the end because you were kind of like this especially when you got those power-ups it kind of felt like this almost you know you're 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 you're, you're, if you're playing like the ghost you're kind of in there and you're uh you're stalking your prey and they were really scared of you like it was like a really dope ass uh, scenario the way that you evolved in that game so I, I Ghost Stream is my number one uh, favorite game of the year and uh, dope and that's where we're at dope. I can't argue with that um, but it was the wrong answer <laughs> um, alright I gotta get a little sentimental guys mm-hmm. alright go ahead and give your get your tissues ready I'll wait um, my number one is Final Fantasy 7 Remake um Man, uh, you know, Pablo touched on, you know, the fact this was such a big game for me as a kid. And the, the, the nostalgia part of it was uh, obviously a super huge portion of why I couldn't wait for this game, why I was terrified about how good it would be. And obviously, as you can tell by it being my number one, how much I eventually loved it. Um, but, you know, it had an even bigger impact for me last year in particular because I had a really shitty 2020. Um, you know, everybody did, obviously, because of COVID and that whole situation. And, uh, you know, it's obviously still ongoing. But mine sucked a little bit extra. <laughs> um, you know, I, I at that point in the year, um, I was having some, some really annoying and awful health problems. And I was uh, in and out of ERs and hospitals and stuff like that. And I, I really didn't tell too many people about it because it was just too much. And... Um, Man, I, I needed something at that point in the year to take my mind off of all the shit that was going through my head um, about how I was doing physically, right? Um, I went and bought a PlayStation 4 Pro on a whim, partly because I knew Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming out and I, I really wanted to play it, but also because I wanted to treat myself to something that would just help me take my mind off of shit. <laughs> and so it worked out really well for me <laughs> because uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was amazing. And it was one of the very few things at the time that was putting a fucking smile on my face. Uh, from the moment number one of, of the, the, the beginning cutscene of Cloud jumping off the train and 
doing his cool ass landing and he's got his you know huge buster sword on him and I'm like oh my god I am playing a remake of Final Fantasy 7 um, I couldn't stop smiling I, I smiled all throughout that game whether it was uh, reliving certain story beats seeing characters that I had kind of forgotten about that were even in the game at the time um, listening to that amazing soundtrack which uh, remixed and, and redid a lot of Oof, uh, awesome so- songs mm-hmm. in that game um, Man, everything from top to bottom that that game did for me at the time on that personal level, and then just as a gamer that you know really was looking at this and going, "Holy shit!" The degree of difficulty that it took Square to come up with a uh, to come up with a game like this. You know, there was so much they could have gotten wrong. There was so many things that could have went way left, but they they managed to figure out how to not only make a faithful remake, but to breathe new life into it in a really intriguing way. Uh, when Pablo mentioned earlier, when you know we saw Sephiroth in a spot where he doesn't really appear in the original game, uh, I had mentioned half-jokingly that my stomach kind of dropped or whatever, and, and that was true because I'm like, oh no, they're messing with this now. Yeah. Like, they're going in a different direction. I don't know what to make of this, and they... And they they did it in a way where throughout the game, and as you see what they were trying to go for and what they ultimately were telling you, okay, we're we're gonna mess with some things moving forward. It's gonna be familiar, but it's gonna be strange. Um, they did it in a way that, for, at least for me, felt like okay. I I feel like I'm gonna give you guys the benefit of the doubt because you've done so many other things great with this with this remake that I'm willing to see what you do next. And um, we've gotten a taste of that just recently with the uh, state of play. Mm-hmm. Seeing what they're doing with the uh, with uh, the integrate uh, version of the game with uh, the Yuffie uh, chapter, um, I'm I'm even more excited to see what they do beyond that with uh, you know the the, the next full blown uh, sequel to this. Uh, but man, I I even going back to it for a split second um, when I was I was deliberating my my game of the year. I smiled all over again like it was the first time I played the remake again. So uh, I was totally in goofball mode with this game from beginning to end, and there was no game that really came close to touching this one as my game of the year. So uh, that is my number one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I agree with that, man. And then uh, the Sephiroth uh, fight at the end, uh, that was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just kind of where the game is going next. I'm really excited. I'm, you know... yeah. I think they did good because I, I, a lot of people were complaining about the fact that, well, if you don't know about Final Fantasy, you really didn't get that that ending. Who cares? If you didn't yeah, get it, it didn't point. matter because the, you know, yeah. it's it's still a solid ending in that sense. Yeah. If you didn't get all the nuance of it, fine. It yeah. doesn't matter. But, um, yeah. All. Those are yeah. our lists. That was a hell of a top ten, man. Um, I, I think mine was clearly better than yours, but it, it's fine. Um, yeah, no, you had uh, Hades on your list, so I think you lose. Actually, can we go back and edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. I think we're going to cut it right here and call this our part one. Come back in a couple of days with part two. Finish the rest of the episode off that way. But let's go ahead and skip right into our best topic. Uh, I think we definitely saved the coolest topic for last. And that's actually you, the listener. Uh, listening to today's episode kind of proves that you are a highly intelligent person. <laughs> That makes great decisions for yourself, but um, but why stop there? Uh, you can now join our new community of downers, as we're calling them, by subscribing to our podcast and following us at uh, Cooldown Time Pod on some of your favorite toxic ass social media <laughs> platforms. Uh, Twitter is our jam. If you want to know uh, which one you can you can focus on first, join us on Twitter, uh, and that way our terrible opinions will always be in your FOV. You're welcome. <laughs> 